A Canadian court has actually issued an injunction on honking horns in Ottawa. I kid you not. They have banned honking your horn. Wow. It's kind of crazy to think the honking is working. That's it. Literally just pulling them in a car and going honk, honk has the entire political establishment losing their minds. People pretending to get hit by trucks falling over and flopping on the ground in the streets. And according to reporting from Andy No, actually having Antifa get in SUVs and hit people. Man, the honking really is making these people lose their minds. But if you watch the videos, it's it's regular people. They're celebrating, they're dancing, and they're saying no. And it's spreading. Now there's rumors circulating, at least I think it's Rolling Stone reporting this, that Republicans want truckers to shut down the Super Bowl. Okay. Well, we'll get into all that stuff. There's a lot going on with the great honking. You've got police arresting people, seizing gas cans. So this will be an interesting uh, subject to talk about. We also have Rumble video platform offering Joe Rogan $100 million over four years to leave Spotify and join their platform. I believe they have the funds to do this. They had that, that special purpose acquisition company merger thing. And they're going to be getting about $400 million. It's been reported. But I don't see why Joe would leave the platform. I, I just don't see why he would do it for the same amount of money. The concern is, I guess, Rumble's like, Joe, you know, come over here and you won't be censored. And Joe's like, they're telling me not to say the N-word, and I don't think Joe's going to want to jump from Rum- uh, from Spotify to Rumble for the sake of that. You know, that doesn't make sense. But we'll talk about everything that's going on there. We got Peter Thiel stepping down from Facebook to focus on campaigning for Republicans, so this should be really, really interesting, plus some, uh, some news about Facebook stock and the Olympics. So joining us today to talk about all of this is Greg Price. Thanks for having me. You want to introduce yourself? I'm, uh, I'm Greg Price. I, uh, I work for a company called X Strategies, LLC. We're a digital strategy firm, and we work with a bunch of uh, conservative members of Congress and candidates and nonprofits and super PACs. Uh, we work to elect America First candidates and unelect the rhinos. Um, yeah, before that, I was at the I was at the Daily Caller before that too. Unelect the rhinos, mm-hmm. Seamus. Here I am, Seamus Coglin, creator of Freedom Tunes. Uh, we actually plan on releasing a cartoon tomorrow. If you guys want to. Head over there, hit that subscribe button, get notified, and uh, I'm once again back to have a conversation with uh, my friends about some interesting issues. Lovely, amazing humans. Monday night, coming at you from Maryland, oh, Ohio, I was going to oh, say. What? That's where I'm from, really. <laughs> Maryland, United States. Those are two yeah, states, yeah. not a city in what, a state. <laughs> what's, up, uh, what's up, Canada? I'm with you tonight, baby. You're 500 miles away, and I hear you loud and clear. Mm-hmm. I love it. I'm loving all this talk of the honking. I'm really excited to hear more about what's going on in Canada. It is a little bit dark at the moment, but hopefully it brightens up. We'll see what happens. But don't forget, go to TimCast.com, become a member, help support the show, support the work we do, support all of our journalists. As a member, you'll get access to exclusive members podcasts of this show that go up Monday through Monday through Thursday at 11 p.m. So when we wrap the live show, we record for an additional half an hour with our guests and those go up on the website. As a member, you'll get to watch those and it helps make, it helps keep the light on. Keep keep all the lights on. Now, we also have a bunch of stickers and shirts. You can see we have the free Hunk Hunk premium t-shirt, the free Hunk Hunk premium sweater. We have Hunk Boot and Fine Doot stickers <laughs> and free Hunk Hunk stickers as well. If you buy this stuff, you'll be supporting the message, but the funds go to supporting the work we do. If you guys want to directly support the great honking, you can go to their Give, Send, Go. And I want to make sure the distinction is clear because if you prefer to support the movement... You know, this this is our merch. Just we're, we're, We wanted to make something that celebrated and supported the idea of the great honking. Of course, the free Hong Kong is modeled after the free Hong Kong flag. So you can check that out if you're so interested. But let's get into that first big story from the week dot com. 
Court issues 10-day ban on honking in downtown Ottawa. A Canadian judge issued a 10-day injunction Monday banning protesters, protesting truckers from honking their horns in downtown Ottawa. Quote, tooting a horn is not an expression of any great thought I'm aware of, Justice Hugh McLean of the Ottawa Superior Court said. He also said the ban on honking would not rob demonstrators of their right to protest. A convoy of truckers and other demonstrators protesting Canada's COVID-19 policies entered on January 29th, where they've been for some time. Let me just let me just uh, answer, you know, respond to this here. Justice Hugh McLean honking absolutely is an expression of a great thought. He doesn't understand memes, Mm. but more importantly, the state. This is Canada, by the way. It's not the U.S., so they can have their backwards garbage policies or whatever. The state should not be deciding what is someone's expression. What comes next? Now people are saying, I'll just yell honk. I'll just get a megaphone and just yell honk into it. Okay. Well, I think this is a ridiculous, this is ridiculous, but I will say it shows, you know, the great honking has worked. It's worked to the point where a court has had to issue one of the most ridiculous injunctions I've ever heard of. Honking is forbidden. Sounds like they're going to try and get them out of there now in the next 10 days. They're like, let's buy ourselves a little time. We'll see if we can get them out. If they can't, Nine and a half days from now, they'll issue another ban for 10 more days or whatever. You know, only 15 days to slow the spread of these truckers uh, all around the country. I just I just think it's funny because it's Canada. It's Canada. Honking is banned. It's just it's worked on so many levels. Right. First, people are posting memes where they're like, who would have thought the answer to clown world would have been honking? I know. (laughs) It's just so good. And then you have it's happening in Canada of all places. And they got the goose. Yeah. yeah. So it's just That's like they, we 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 live in some kind of constructed reality. I got a simulation. Say, let me put this on the table. I I've been thinking a lot about this. Honking is It can be very. It, it, you could argue that it's a kind of viol- noise. Weapons are real. You can destroy someone with excessive amounts of noise. You can hurt someone with that. The CIA knows it. They work with those things. Um, so a lot of noise is kind of can be weaponized. Now, it's. Then, so like, are they, so apparently these people are honking and they're violating maybe civil rights, noise violations. But for, for the Canadian government to start to violate their human rights of like food and, and fuel seems like that's stoking know. the bear. Well, this is the yeah. great Canadian bear. Well, this is a Canadian government that, as we know, was seizing their gasoline too. Like, yeah. though, the, the, you know, they, there's, there's this uprising of, of workers that's, and, and it's, it's pissing off the people in power in Canada. And it seems that they'll, they'll go to great lengths in order to shut them up. Yeah, no, I mean, I agree with you. They're basically placing sanctions on these people, and then they're arguing that honking is an act of violence. Honk. Yeah. That's honk, honk. Honk. I've been wondering. Well, so if I was going to say, gonna Ian, I, I think you're, I think you're not quite rolling a one on this one. Okay, you got like a three or something? <laughs> no, maybe a ten. Oh, okay. You know, I, I think there's a guy who's got a train horn, and people are laughing about it because it's triggering people. I'm like, dude, I gotta be honest, the train horn might be a little much. Like, honking your horn is honking your horn. Everybody's got one. But mounting a train horn to a vehicle and then blaring it, like, yeah, I mean, that that's that's not helping your cause out. You know, honking your horn is annoying. Protests, as AOC says, are supposed to make people uncomfortable. So honking your horn, hey, man, more power to you. Uh, if they say, hey, guy, you got, you brought a train horn to downtown Ottawa, I'd, I'd be like, yeah, dude, that's like, come on, it's a little much, isn't it? I mean, it's funny, but. It's when all the trucks come together, they, they create like a mega horn. Which is like way worse than a well, way louder than a train horn. I I'm I don't know what to do because I support these yeah. truckers implicitly. I'm, I mean, if I'm thinking, if I, <laughs> I, I, I want to I want to help the cause, but I will still acknowledge that this noise can be used as a form of violence 
And so I understand kind of both sides of this. Yeah, I like don't- a- I, I but wait, hold on, hold on. Like, what do you mean by violence? Yeah, like, you can harm. Like, if I take a big loudspeaker and put it next to your head and, yeah. you, and do it, you'll be like, ah, and then it'll hurt your hearing. And then it might even start to make you make you angry, which makes that, you stressed. That, that, it, it, well, it can be really annoying, but it's not like the truckers are going, he supports the mandates, get him. And then, like, putting their head next to the horn and honking so they go <laughs> deaf. I mean, yeah. they're just, they're, they're honking their horns in a way that makes people uncomfortable. You also have to consider is that these truckers themselves are here day in and day out. And it's going to get annoying to them on some level. So I, I think they can self-regulate here. I think it's insane that Ian, the Canadian government would tell them they're not able to express themselves in this way. Like I, I could, like I could see if you're a citizen in Ottawa and living in downtown Ottawa and all day, every day, all you hear is honk, yeah. honk, honk. I could see how that would get annoying. At the same time, it's not like they're burning your buildings down like in other yeah. protests that we've seen before. So I could see how that would be annoying, yeah, no, but like, did, but did, the government, but like, did the government step in like this, like in the summer of 2020 in Canada or in the United States? No, because that how, would be fascist. Well, how bad were the rioting? How bad was the rioting in Canada, though? I honestly I, don't know. Well, they're, they're, the movement was everywhere. Yeah, but we're, it might not have been as bad as America. But was Black Canadian Lives Matter like smashing windows and burning buildings down or anything? Probably like that? not as bad as America, but the movement was. You know, they you wouldn't. Wanna, but it, but like you know, the, it's, again, it's the politics behind this. I don't think you know the, the you know the. Well, the I just searched yeah. Ottawa on Twitter. I saw this video, I think, yesterday, which is what brought this up in my mind. Is a guy in Ottawa got his video. He's like, "Hey guys, just so you know, this is what it's like all day," and it's like, just nonstop. So I understand. I would Fantastic. go freaking crazy if all of a sudden I on whatever uh, vaxxed run, I'd support or unsupport. All of a sudden, just maddening noise all around me. Yeah, you know, I don't care. Uh, you want to know why? The insurance companies will pay for it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So if you get if you get ear damage, you got insurance. What's yeah. what's the problem? It's a language of the unheard. Um, is, that, is the hunk. Medical yeah. insurance. That, that's 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 not yeah, yeah. actually. I don't I don't agree with that. that yeah, thing, no, that's no, a ridiculous I'm notion. Yeah. But uh, I, I don't I don't actually care about the discomfort of these people, because as the government was ruling by decree, they sat back and said sure. And then when the government started cracking down on the truckers, imposing will by decree on them, and the truckers said stop. The people sat in their homes and said, hey, I'm not getting involved. I don't care they're doing it to you. In fact, I'll vote for them and empower them and pay them money and ensure they can keep putting their boot on your neck. And then the trucker said, I'm going to toot. Yeah. I'm well, a honk, honk. And now they're it, like, stop honking. It, no, sorry, buddy. And uh, Ian, I mean, you're absolutely right that it is extremely annoying. And if these people were outside of my window honking, I would be annoyed as well. But at the same time, if it's a question of whether we're going to allow a group of people to be annoyed or ha- allow a group of people to have their rights violated, I'm going to choose to yeah. let those people be annoyed. Yeah, you said that was pretty insightful what you said just a second ago, Tim, about how, like, because I'm thinking of now the German citizens when they supported, the, just allowed the Nazis to do their thing and just stood by and let it happen. When the Allied troops came in there, they didn't. You know, those people, they had to sit by and listen to the honking. They weren't allowed to be like, stop. You know, you sit, I just, you sit and sit by and watch tyranny take hold. Get ready to face some repercussions. It's not just that. It's a lot of these people are voting in these politicians over and over again. Like they're, they vote for Trudeau. They vote for the people who are putting in place these mandates. So it's like, listen, we want you to hear the repercussions of your actions. Elections have consequences. Ottawa votes for these people. I'm sorry. You know, it's funny. I'll tell you this. The people who live in Ottawa who, uh, who who don't vote for this are outside dancing in the streets, cheering on the trucks and the protests. That's people who that's, that's the people who live in Ottawa. I, I'm not going to pretend like I, I live there. I've watched some of the live streams. I watched Viva Fry. He's got a great stream. And I've seen a lot of the videos. And there's people with Canadian flags jumping up and down. They're celebrating. These are people who live in the city. The people who are screaming and complaining about the honking are the people who did not, the people who did vote for Trudeau and don't support the truckers. I don't care if, if, look, if you come out and say you, that you voted for Joe Biden, I'm going to be like, okay, well, now you're going to be uncomfortable, uncomfortable 
for having supported a man who's caused all of these problems for us. The death of the, of the civilians in Afghanistan, the rising gas prices, the failing economy. There's some good things about the economy, but you can't come out and be like, we lost 2 million jobs and brought back 1.5, so we're doing great. Like, no, you're doing bad. And if you want to come out and be like, you supported him, then I'll be like, prepare to be uncomfortable as I protest the guy you voted in. Yeah. No, I mean, I think that when you're, you're looking at this situation and these mandates and the fact that these people were completely in favor of them and that's resulted in these protests and now they're really upset by the honking, you kind of have to put it in perspective. Ultimately, what's going to make their lives worse? The hyperinflation, which is occurring uh, because we decided to print trillions of dollars, the broken supply chains, the fact that it's more difficult to Different get food. Different country. Uh, and it's true, but also our economies are really interconnected. And if the dollar isn't doing as strongly and we're not trading with them as much or the supply chain is broken down in our country, that's going to affect their lives too. And a couple horns honking outside your window day in and day out for as long as this protest lasts is not going to have as much of a negative effect on their lives in the long term. The other thing you have to think about is like the, the people doing the honking and the protesting. These are the people who during the pandemic, while everyone was, all them were staying inside. These are the people who were, you know, bringing you your packages to your door, yep. bringing the supplies everywhere. Yeah. That was probably more annoying than just hearing some honks every day. I'm sure there are lots. Dude, it's, it's, a, it's amazing. These are, these are people who sit inside. Vote for politicians who lock everything down and then demand the government just gives them money. Yeah, I saw a tweet from this girl. I don't remember who, but it was like a journalist. And she was like, who do we have to appeal to to save us from this was basically the tweet. And I'm like, there's a mindset of, of hum- in humanity of like, where is daddy to save me? Who's going to come fix this? And it's like, dude, you fix it. It's you. <laughs> Seriously. These, are, they, 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 these people love to be like, I'm going to, to vote for the authority to do whatever they want. Then go and sit back and say, solve my problems for me. That vote causes problems for everybody else who are now dancing in the street and honking horns, not even smashing windows or anything like that. And now these people are crying about it. Dude, I have, I have very little sympathy. I'm sorry, man. That's just, that's just reality. These people need to live in the real world. You know, I, I, we've talked about the fourth turning. We've talked about, you know, hard times make strong men, strong men make good times, good times, weak men, et cetera. And this is the problem with a lot of these people who live in these big cities. They want, Everything done for them. They get paid ridiculous salaries for ridiculous jobs. Not everybody, but a lot of them. The people like in New York, it's really bad, but there's a lot of city jobs that make no sense. And they've just not experienced any real hardship. This is the first time. In, I think about how crazy this is. There's that video of the guy who looks like the pregnant man emoji. Have you seen this? He's wearing the blue jacket and he's got like the belly. So people have put the pregnant man emoji on him. And he's like, I can't sleep. Ah, I'm losing my mind or whatever. And it's like, Bro, calm down. You know, you know, you know, this is the reason why I have very little sympathy is probably because I lived, I lived on a busy street and I hear honking all day, every day, nonstop. But I've also experienced, you know, like actual hardship. And so when I hear people screaming and crying about honking, I'm like, geez. Yeah. Where, where did they grow up inside like a fluffy padded room that Basically. was like pastel colors with animals painted yes. on the wall? Well, the West. Well, this, that's a very interesting point because Ottawa is one of the richest cities in Canada. And so for months, at least in the United States, you had BLM burning down some of the most impoverished neighborhoods in the country and making life impossible for the people who lived there. And our media thought that that was just fine. But now when working class people go into an upper class neighborhood and honk their horns too loudly for too long, it's a nightmare. I will say as much as they are, it, it is a different country. Our culture completely overlaps. Exactly. So the you've got American leftist journalists who are on the side of the government of Canada 
And then you've got American, you know, libertarian, conservative, moderate, post-liberals who are on the side of the great honkening. Mm-hmm. I, I genuinely believe, you know, 90 plus percent of people support the honkening. You know, you're never going to convince me because I, I, I look at the comments on Reddit. Even the astroturfing isn't working. And I'm, I'm just like, I, I'm sorry, man. I don't I just won't believe that actual grassroots regular leftists. I don't mean online personalities, regular people that if you go to them and say, how do you feel about the workers rising up? They'd be like, oh, that's pretty cool. How do you feel about the truckers rising up? Glad they're glad they're rising up against the establishment. Yeah, no. And, and that's sort of my point, even though, yes, obviously this is occurring in a different country. Our media is going to empathize with the upper class people who are being inconvenienced in Canada more so than they would lower class people in the United States having their actual business burnt down. Well, it goes to show, I mean, it goes to show that the media speaks for the interests of, you know, the ruling class and the powerful. And even in Canada, where the media is actually controlled by the government, like the media are actual government entities. So, you know, it's in that case, they're actually on the side of the government. And like I was looking at some of the coverage in Canadian media and I was like, yeah, you can really tell. Yeah, that, that the- it's it's amazing. One of the first articles we read on the show, it was like the far right group that has been known for vandalism and stealing food from the homeless. Exactly. Exactly. Like, dude, that's just not true. Now there's was, this uh... there's this story. Did you guys hear about these guys trying to break into a building and burn it down with people inside? No. And and these left wing activists, many Americans, they're well, quote unquote journalists, are trying to claim that it's definitive and proven. Bro, it's a video of two guys. We don't know who they are. They walk in a building, set fire something on the ground, and then tape the door shut and leave. That's crazy. Arrest those guys. Yeah, absolutely. But then they're just like, this proves it. Let's talk about what the cops are doing. We got this story from TimCast.com. Police seize fuel and supplies from protesters in Ottawa Freedom Convoy. Multiple vehicles and fuel have been seized, police said, as they extend their efforts to end the Freedom Convoy. Basically, they're now saying... Anybody who brings in fuel is going to be aiding them. It's illegal. Mm-hmm. Anybody who provides material support. And there's even an insinuation by Trudeau that Americans are interfering and they want to look into where this funding is coming from. Well, I don't know what Canada is going to be able to do to an American who gave five bucks on Give, Send, Go. I just don't see them pulling anything off. But, yo, how insane is this getting? They declared a state of emergency in Ottawa. You know... I saw a story, I don't know if it's true, that Ottawa cops are exempt from the vaccine mandates. This is how they play the game. The the, the enforcers get special acts. It's like the Hunger Games, man. Wow. Yeah. <clears throat> no, <sighs> nothing to say. No one. Oh, geez, so much to say. <laughs> uh, how do it's I even take, start to take it? Like like take it all in. Every now and again, it's kind of like a Mexican standoff here. We're looking around. Who's going to say something I know, first? I don't want to interrupt. About, talk how do you talk somebody. about civil disobedience? Like, okay. What they're doing is civilly illegal, probably. Illegal. What the hell does that even mean? Illegal. Well, like, it was, what was crazy to me was, was seeing like the, the brand account for the Ottawa Police Department, like cheering on GoFundMe's decision to, you know, take this money away from the truckers. You have like this unholy alliance of like the government, law enforcement, big corporations, you know, and then you have this like work, you have these who are just like taking away the, the rights of, of working class people. And, you know, we complain about a lot, a lot about that in America, but man, like, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. Like, the I, Ottawa police just it, cheering this on. Isn't well, there a word for that? When the, the government and big corporations like starts with the, are, are the working app, together app, to control. Fash, yeah, there's a word. Yeah. Fascism, some, something like that. Something like Fascism. Yeah. The F word. The F word. Yeah. I think you're thinking about the F word. Yeah. So earlier you mentioned how Canadian media is basically controlled by the government. One thing, uh, one thing I find very disturbing is that with the United States, 
media. We do have media which is controlled by private corporations, but honestly, can you imagine it acting all that differently if it was controlled and regulated by the government? They continually cheer for bigger government. They insult people and they smear them for calling for more freedom and calling for the restrictions the government imposes upon the average person to end. And when you look at the situation in Canada, like I mentioned, it's clear that our private media is more sympathetic to their state media in Canada and the views that they hold than they are to the views of the actual people of our country or theirs. Bro, there's no mask anymore. It's funny when... The mandate, the mask mandate is over. No, I mean I mean the figurative mask that, that we, yeah. we, we, we ever assumed the media was on our side. I'm done having that conversation. It's been 10 years. Anybody who still thinks the media is telling the truth is probably lying to you, to be completely honest. Like, even regular people, when you ask them, like, the press rates abysmally low in terms of uh, credibility. There was this funny poll from a few years ago, and it was like, who do you trust? Like, how much trust do you give these institutions? And the press was on the bottom at, like, 17%. When, um, what's his name, Glenn Greenwald got booted out of the intercept, that was a big, like, red light for me. I that that It's that structure of that, that old media thing doesn't work anymore. You can't be honest in that situation because there's too many corporate donors trying to get a hold of your, you and your money. Yeah, and, yeah, so, like, it's it's not even that just that they're biased to one side of the political aisle. They're beholden to corporate interests, a lot of these media outlets. And a lot of the time, corporate, in, you know, obviously, as we said before, there's this unholy alliance between government in America and big corporations. And the media is a part of that. You have like an, a, an institution like the Washington Post that's owned by the, sen- the second richest man in the world. Yeah. And, you know, obviously, obviously their coverage is going to not reflect the views of, you know, people in li- working class people in Ohio or working class truckers. Uh, speaking out against these mandates. You know, they support all these things. You know how I see it? I'm like thinking about the media and it reminds me of those movie tropes where it's like there's a wife and then her husband runs up and she has a gun and he's like, honey, it's me, put down the gun. And then all of a sudden another like clone of her husband runs yeah. to the other side. He's like, no, 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 I'm your real husband. And she's like, I don't know which one is real. I don't know where that trope came from, like the original movie, but it feels like there's like a normie, regular American sitting on their couch and we run in and we're like, we're telling you the truth. We're challenging the lies. And then, you know, Brian Salter runs in and he goes, don't listen to them. We're, we're the truth. They're telling you lies. That's exactly goes, how I feel sorry for you. It- no, um, it's true. And I think it's funny because for years and years, right after Trump was elected, the narrative was elected. The narrative was, you know, everything was fine. People trusted the media. We had a great relationship with the public and then all. DT came along and made him hate us with all of his rhetoric about how bad the media it, is. It it's like, before. well, no, you guys were already pretty terrible, and mostly politicians were willing to bend the knee to you, and then one came around who wasn't, and it opened your eyes to how unpopular you are, because the reason most people, or at the very least many people were cheering for Donald Trump was because you hated him and he hated you, and that meant that he was more on your side than theirs. Um, and I just love to see their their narrative crumble with each turn. You're sort Trump. of talking about how Canada is much more authoritarian than the U.S., but the fact that the people of that country have formed literally the largest convoy that we have ever been aware of in human history to protest their government's mandates is really incredible. It's a giant white pill. There was a big convoy of uh, diesel trucks about a thousand years ago. Yes, of course. No, I, I understand. That's a more, I understand. I, I, and I understand it's no, a more no, no, recent look. phenomenon with the trucks, but also the largest convoy before this was like five miles. Five miles. And now this is 45 miles. Donald, Donald Trump demonized and attacked the media because people hate them. Yes. Because people got access to the internet and it was like the knowledge was beamed down to the people. And then all of a sudden they were like, hey, wait a minute. They're lying to us about everything. And, and then Trump was like, that's right. 
Trump is a symptom of, not the creator of. Yeah. But, of course, the media is now saying, Donald Trump, he started all of this. In um, 2007, I was doing YouTube videos a lot, and I was getting real political. I was like, we need direct to the politician now. We have internet video. We don't need secret service. Putin and Barack Obama could get on a video chat and just talk, ch- hang out and chill. I could get on a video chat with Barack. No security issues. We could just chat. So we need that more. And I... I was telling it to YouTube and the people at the YouTube um, corporate headquarters was listening and they were like, yeah, let's do YouTube debates. So they created this thing, but then CNN get in on it. And they're like, no, no, we're going to do the CNN YouTube debates really? and we're going to water down all your questions. So I asked Barack, like, what's up with the Federal Reserve? Why do we have this system in place that's been robbing, creating interest? And I was talking about fractional reserve and um, – they didn't air it. They wouldn't air that. They aired all these softball questions. So CNN was, was his, the second guy. Messing. And he's like, no, I'm your husband. Ian, how, what was his response to that? Uh, he Barack? Yeah. He, he didn't hear oh, that question. Oh, he didn't question. even hear it. Okay. Yeah, so, oh, oh, so you're saying CNN didn't give him the question. I Correct. thought you had an opportunity to digitally ask the questions and remember, they later. Remember they did those town okay. halls and all yeah, of the of people in the town hall turned out to be Democrat operatives? Yeah. Or yeah. like mm-hmm. activists or whatever. And I, I mean, who's su- rigged, man? And, and who's surprised by it? Even the presidential debates, when they actually have their quote unquote opposition across from them, it's just a press conference anyway. The person throws their slogans out there, and then their opponent throws their slogans out there. Yeah, but did you hear Republicans are now going to boycott the uh, the Commission on Debates debates? Really? So there's probably not going to be a debate unless the Democrats come to them for a debate. This idea of a debate also bothers me. Now we're at a place where you can pop on Skype or whatever and video chat every, Monday through Friday at, mm-hmm. from 6 p.m. to 7 p.m. with you, whoever you want. To, and everyone can watch. Come on. 21st century. Yeah, you know, yeah like shows like this one like have really, really changed the game. And like, you know, we, we were, you know, we were, we're going to talk about Joe Rogan. We were going to talk about Joe Rogan soon. And it's like. You know, shows like yours, shows like Rogan, shows like Tucker Carlson's that draw all of these eyeballs because they don't bend to institutional powers in corporate media are a threat to those, are a threat. And obviously you've been targeted with cancel culture and obviously the cancel culture knives have come out with Joe, for Joe Rogan and Tucker Carlson. The only reason for it is because instead of telling the truth, these institutional powers have now chosen that they're just going to, they're going to pressure corporations to censor their opposition. Do you notice a lot of corporate interference when you're working with like just candidacy and positioning your candidates on social media and stuff do you feel like pushback from corporations while you're doing it? do you have to navigate through that kind of thing well i mean no because we wouldn't really work with anybody who is so beholden to corporate powers like we don't obviously we were a company of seven people and we would never we would never do that and you know what's what's no, I, I what really I, what really sucks is that like there are a lot of members of congress that i'm sure most republicans probably like and respect a lot who take a lot of money from big tech and take a lot of money from and and so they and part I, of the I, reason I think he's asking if, with the candidates you work with, are they being censored and shut down? Oh yeah, yeah. We have to face that all the time, and it's it's on. So one of the one of the uh, clients that we work with is American Principles Project. Shout out to Terry Schilling and John Schweppe. And before we worked with them, this happened during the last election cycle. But they they had their Facebook demonetized because they ran an ad in Michigan that opposed biological men in women's sports. And the way Facebook works is, in order to get a fact check, a fact checker actually has to write. A fact check of your thing. So some, and obviously the fact checkers are complete liars, like these politifact oh, and yeah. snopes oh, of the yeah, world. Yeah. But so a fact checker wrote a fact check on a, on a, on an ad that opposed biological men and women's sports and they got their Facebook account demonetized for that. And so it's stuff like that that happens all the time. It's, Look, it's, it's remarkable that, uh, I mean, it's, it, we're, we're in an amalgam of all these different dystopian novels. It's like all of these writers could see a piece, but not the whole because, you know, in this instance, it's very, uh, the fact checkers are keeping us from knowing things. The major corporations are, uh, you know, stifling free enterprise. It's like it's like the inversion of everything. War is peace, you know, et cetera, et cetera. 
No, yeah, that's absolutely true. They want to be able to dictate the public narrative. And they, and, you know, when somebody, when there's threats out there that are drawing all the eyeballs away from them, they get scared. And because they're weak and pathetic, they go straight for censorship. Let's, well, let's, let's carry on. We, we, we do have a lot to talk about with the, with the great honking, what's going to be happening in the U.S., but let's, let's carry this conversation forward talking about what's going on with Joe Rogan. We have a story from TimCast.com. Rumble publicly offers Joe Rogan $100 million for a four-year censorship-free contract. Rumble posted, hey, Joe Rogan, we are ready to fight alongside you, saying, how about you bring all of your shows to Rumble, both old and new, with no censorship for 100 million bucks over four years? This is our chance to save the world. And yes, this is totally legit. Based on the reporting about Rumble's uh, special purpose acquisition company, $2.1 billion valuation and potentially $400 million in liquid cash to spend, I think they could do this. But I don't see why Joe Rogan would do this because it would be basically him saying that he wants to say the N-word. That's 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 the issue right now. So it's like not a good time to offer Joe Rogan $100 million for a censorship-free contract because the issue at hand is that Joe himself, according to the Spotify CEO, is the one who took down all of the episodes last Friday. But that apology video, man, that Joe put out was, was a mistake. It's making everything worse. And perhaps the issue is when people say Joe has FU money, maybe it means FU to everybody. And a lot of people who are libertarian, freedom-loving, uh, you know, who, who want honesty, integrity, assume Joe is on their side, when in reality, Joe is just Joe and just is an honest guy. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's doing his own thing and doesn't necessarily have a particular ideology, sort of what you're saying. Like, he, like he he's like, obviously, I am offended by the lies of the mainstream press. Yeah. And I'll call them out. And I stand for that. Joe is offended. They lied about him and lie often, but isn't interested in getting involved in a fight to change the future of media. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm not saying it's saying. true. Yeah. He's not a hero. Like, don't don't put this guy on a pedestal. He's just a dude. Live, doing his life, man. Which also goes to show, like, how just ridiculous the attacks against him are. Because his, like, what is his show? They're unfiltered conversations for about three hours at a time with people of all different opinions, political persuasions. It's not even all political. And so the fact that, you know, big institutional powers find this guy a threat who just has unfiltered conversations with people. Yeah. Well, one thing lefties do, and I'm not exactly sure how, if this has been the case with the Joe Rogan experience, but I would be very surprised if it wasn't, because it's something you've dealt with. It's something that virtually every large political show that I'm aware of or has spoken about this uh, has dealt with. But left-wing people will refuse to do a podcast if it's hosted too many right-wing people. And so then you only have people who are moderate or on the right doing the podcast. No lefties do it. And then lefties go, oh my gosh, why aren't we being represented? Why can our views get out there? It's it's not, it's, it's, you're, you're, you're close it's not that it's too many right-wing people it's too many it's, it's that the host has an opinion contrary to the yes all right fair enough and so they'll go i'm not going to go on this podcast and so i'm i am sure and again i can't say for certain i don't know i don't speak for joe rogan but i'm sure that there's a lot of left-wing people who absolutely could do the joe rogan experience and let the audience know what their opinions are but they see joe rogan as a non-person he's an evil bigot so why even engage with him or his audience kyle kalinsky said that in his episode joe never used a slur but he was very critical of Saudi Arabia and Spotify has just opened up their market to Saudi Arabia. Some people said that Joe mentioned a song lyric with a slur in it. I don't know. You know, uh, Kyle Kalinsky said there was no slur in it. We also have these tweets from Adam Kokesh where he said Joe basically told him Spotify is not allowing him on the show and that they took down his show because it had too much misinformation in it. That sounds to me like 
that does not sound true, to be completely honest. Like, I don't, I don't see Joe Rogan as the kind of guy to, like, call somebody up and be like, dude, I'm so sorry they took your episode down. It's because it was misinformation. Like, those are words that Joe doesn't or probably won't use. So maybe the real issue is that Joe did talk to Adam Kokesh and said something like, look, man, Spotify doesn't want, you know, these kind of shows. And there were issues with, like, the facts, the things that were being said, they weren't true. So that, you know, they didn't want it on their platform. And then Adam frames it as such, like misinformation. Uses those words, right? Exactly. But but, but I'll, I'll say if that if that statement from Adam is true, then yeah, this is crazy. This is seriously crazy. Joe outright being like Spotify is pulling the strings. Yeah, I mean it's it's a very much he said he said situation. We don't. Well, know. Joe didn't say anything. Yeah, well, exactly. So we have one person leveling an accusation, and we have to assume innocence until there's proof of guilt. We have to remain agnostic on this. But I would also say that, well, yeah, that doesn't sound like something Joe Rogan would do to me. I don't know him. Uh, as a person, and he's also not the kind of person I would have figured as uh, a public apology kind of guy either. So who knows? Look, I think I, he he views this show, his show, as like a a little side project, and he wants it in a box, just like wrapped up and not stressing his life out. I saw him on Instagram. He's like, "This is how I'm dealing with all the BS," and it's like they light a gorilla piece of gorilla <laughs> ice cream on fire, and they're like, "And I'm on mushrooms." Was part of it. I was like, yeah, dude, he just wants to live, man. It, 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 if it gets too much of a hassle, then it's too much of a hassle. You move on to something else. So, I think what we see from all of this is that people shouldn't assume Joe Rogan is a warrior, like you said, like fighting on your side in the culture war. He's a guy who has conversations. You happen to agree with him on a decent amount of those opinions. That's about it. Yeah, or, he's not going to save you or back you up unless yeah. he really believes it. Sorry, Seamus. Yeah, well, or you, oh, well, you agree with some of the people he's platformed. He did literally save us with, uh, with, uh, you know, our medical he's issues. He's so legit. He's just such a kind person. I mean, if you watch his Fear Factor stuff in the early days, he's got this, like, um, this, like, uh, innate ability to motivate and, and give courage. It's just such a kind, like a, a gentle yeah. gorilla. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, was the circling back though to, I, I just want to reaffirm that. Yeah. I mean, a- anything, Anything anyone has said that he has said or done behind closed doors, like that we don't have any confirmation on with respect to that catch situation, you have to like sort of stay on the side of we don't know and we can't jump to conclusions about it. I want to say, you know, because I want to make sure this is in every time I bring up a video about Joe, that he's helped me out tremendously. Having me on his show helped my career tremendously. Mm-hmm. Uh, having me on with CEO of Jack Dor- CEO of Twitter, Jack Dorsey, was just insane for me at the time. So I'm like, dude, I'm just some dude on YouTube with like 100,000 subs. Like, why am I sitting in front of the CEO of this major, biggest, you know, one of the biggest companies in the world? And so you know, Joe had me on and he said that, you know, he thought, he thought I was a smart guy and I, I held my own. He appreciated it. He helped us out with our medical issues. So I think he's genuinely just like a really good dude. And I think... I don't think he ever expected to be in this position. I think he even said that. He just wanted to hang out and talk with his friends. And all of a sudden, he had this big show, and it's crazy. And he just wants to chill. But I will say, I think this is the, 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 it's, it's, it's the, it's, it's all downhill from here. Well, the Rumble thing I like. I like that Chris did this, Chris Pavlosi, because this is a big, a, it's a, it's a big statement. It's, it's legitimate. He will pay Joe a hundred million if he does it. But it's also tells Spotify, if you, mess with joe too much there's a, a exit ramp for this dude so it's, it's don't not, mess with this guy because the world loves him i think i think it's all downhill from here in terms of what happens with the joe rogan experience as as joe stated right when he made this 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 video compilation of him saying the n-words really old it was resurfaced by a super pack group or something like that his his position is my understanding first of all he's never used the slur he said the slur it's a big difference citing the name of certain you know comedy specials referencing the word itself but he recently came out and said there are a lot of people that think 
There's no context in which a white person can say this word. And I agree with that now, and I haven't said it for years. That's the change in Joe where he's like, okay, I'll take this stuff down. But that is a very, very important change to reference. I think I'll, I'll say it this way. There is no context in which you will not face severe repercussions for saying the word descriptively, the, the N word, right? And it becomes very difficult then when you want to reference the names of documentaries because there's, there's um, different forms of what we would call the N word. And this is already a very difficult conversation to have because it's hard for me to actually tell you what the words are, because if we say it, YouTube will take the show down outright. This is why I think we're at, we're at a very, we're having a very serious problem in our public discourse. There is no reason why a smart, honest individual can't describe a word. In fact, there are words that sound like the N word. You can't say either. A guy got canceled. He's on like Fox News and he used the word. I can't say that meant shrewd and they attacked him for it. It is absolutely insane that you have a, an executive at Netflix was telling people, here's a list of offensive words that should not be aired on, on our programs. And he got fired for telling people the word not to say. This is psychotic. When Joe says, you know, after a few years, I realized, yes, you're right. We should not be able to describe this word. I completely disagree, but it shows you the cultural defeat because that literally makes no sense, none whatsoever. While I will absolutely acknowledge we absolutely, we, 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 of course, will never reference. There's, I think, six, five or six words we're talking about in a members only podcast that start with the letter N, but are not the same word that you can't say for a variety of reasons. One of them I'm willing to actually say it's Nazi. By saying that, YouTube has already probably struck the channel. We're probably downranked, demonetized, all of that stuff because YouTube doesn't think that content is appropriate for advertisers. So you get hurt by it. There's other words that are referenced in documentaries that are not the typical N-word, but still are considered offensive by today's standards. I can't describe that word to you or explain to you what it is. It makes it impossible to explain to people what's going on at all. For Joe to come out and be like, I agree. I agree. There's no context. I'm like, that's hardcore bending the knee to an extreme degree. Here's what I would say. There are certain contexts where you need to describe what words people shouldn't be using in derogatory context. We're not allowed to say those words because the machine by which we have this show on will ban us Could outright. Imagine if a but kid, oh. on, in the members only segment, we've had this conversation before and we still refrain from using certain words, but we still get smeared for it anyway, trying to explain to people we simply want them to understand context. You're not allowed. I think that's a fair way to put it. Joe actually just sided with the left's perspective that you shouldn't be allowed to describe words. Yeah, I was thinking like, what if your kid comes to you and is like, Daddy, why why is this word so bad? And Aston says the word, and you're like, I can't talk about it. Like, could you imagine not being able to communicate with your child and explain why things are the way they are? I'm not living that life. Well, one thing I found really funny about this story is after they canceled Joe Rogan or tried to cancel him over this uh, video resurfaced to use that lovely euphemism. By the way, that means they dug it up. Somebody went looking for it and found it. But uh, footage also resurfaced of, Joe Biden saying the N-word. And we're being told that we have to look at that contextually, but this, not jo when Joe Rogan used it. Well, here's the thing. None of them actually care. Like, yes. I, I'm pretty sure most rational people don't live under this perspective that anyone who's ever said that word, no matter the context, should be canceled, deplatformed, etc. They want to 
they want to deplatform Joe Rogan and they're going to do anything to do it. They have, they're going to dig up anything. They're going to, they'll go into, through any great length to cancel his show because it's a threat to the institutional power yes. of the Sac- establishment. Of many, the people have, many people pointed out sexism is next. They're going to pull up the things he said about women. Then you're going to have homophobia. Then you're going to have transphobia. They've, these videos all exist already. The, the, the video of Joe and the Planet of the Apes story has been around for years. It's a very, very old video. Joe apologizing, in my opinion, is him basically giving up. Like, like he, he doesn't, uh, this is what I'm saying. He doesn't want to fight. I'm not saying he has to fight. I'm not saying I just, it's, I, I'm mad at him for not wanting to fight. I'm saying, like he said, man, he's, he's just wanted to hang out with his friends and talk about stuff. And now here he's in this position. I shouldn't, maybe giving up is, is inappropriate because it implies he wanted this fight in the first place. I think Joe's stood up for himself on many occasions, like when he challenged Sanjay Gupta on CNN. This is clearly a fight he's not willing to stand up for himself on. I think he's deflected it. He's a jujitsu master. That's one way to call it. Black no, belt. No, Taekwondo, in right? He's also a black belt in jujitsu. Got it from really? Eddie. Yeah, from oh, Eddie Bravo. Wow. I saw a video of it. It's on YouTube um, of him giving him the belt. It's real emotional. But he's also a mental jujitsu artist. He knows how to maneuver energy so that it doesn't get in his way. I appreciate that about Joe. But do you, do you feel that's really what he's done in this situation? I, it's kind of like in his, it's what he is kind of. He, he's very, 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 not passive, but able to pass through I, things. I'm, I literally don't understand his, his thinking on this one at all. Yeah. These people who don't watch his show, they, they don't like him. They're never going to like him. Apologizing will do nothing. And by apologizing, what's happened now is all of these videos are popping up of people being like, whoa, Joe Rogan admitted it. He admitted to everything. He's, ad- he's admitted. Exactly. He's gone into great detail about it. And he said he thought it was entertaining. Like, dude, the people who like you don't know, don't care. They've seen your show already. They've watched your show from the beginning. They get it. The people who don't like you, they're never going to like you. you guys also, so what is the point? I, I want to point this out. There is something inherently absurd with the idea of apologizing to a group of people who are literally saying that context doesn't matter because that means the context of your apology doesn't matter. All they see is you bending the knee and then they want more. This is some, oh, were you going to say something? No, you can go oh, first. Well, working at Mines, I, I co- you know, worked with Mines for a long time, co-founded the company with Bill, Bill Ottman, the CEO. And he kept telling me, it was like 2013, 14, 15, 16. He was like, context matters. And I, I was like, yeah, I know Bill, but like, and he's like, context, like talking about how to administrate the website. Context matters. You, a robot cannot take a, a tech piece of text out of it makes no sense it can but it makes no sense ethically or constructively you know morally to do that so context but how do you teach a, a, a computer system about context well here's the here's the thing like social media is is not context doesn't exist on on twitter or on the internet or anything like this like the goal of people on these platforms is just to beat you until you submit to them and so like if so if you're you know if you're anybody who gets caught in one of these situations like you you can't bend the knee like cuz they won't care they're gonna, they're never going to stop like you know Glenn Youngkin the governor of Virginia did something like this over the weekend where he apologized for a tweet where he his campaign account made fun of this high school kid who tweeted a viral lie about him but like obviously they didn't obviously they didn't they were like oh this isn't a real apology like you can't bend the knee to these people at all because they all they want is your career to be destroyed. Yes. And so you have to stand up to them. And even if it is an authentic apology, even if they accept that it's an authentic apology, this is not a group of people that believes in forgiveness or redemption. You are always the person who did that, and they will always smear you with it. And I do believe this is a great conversation. The, we talked about this before the show. Using a slur at someone and talking about a word are different. Mm-hmm. Different environments, different th- meanings. And so that sort of seems to have been lost. Any in, word. In the flow of text. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I, I truly believe that talking about words that have been used as racist slurs in the past is very important for our species to evolve and move past it 
and and make it part of us. And then like old words that used to be really offensive, we don't they're not offensive anymore. A lot of those words. Yeah, it's just the nature of human co- communication. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, so so if um you know a child uses a swear word, they drop the f bomb, and then dad gets home from work, and mom goes, Johnny said what the f, and she drops the the word. There is a world of difference between that. And her husband coming home from work and she looks at him and she says, F you. Like she's saying the F word in both contexts or in both situations, but the context is extremely different. In one situation, she is actually using it to hurt someone. And in the other situation, she's using it to either illustrate a point or to describe what someone else has said. So necessary. And I want to bring that back to social media somehow, to culture, to common culture. Joe like is like the the hot tip of the the spear here, man, but I'm, I, you know, this is a yeah. conversation that's necessary. But like, yeah, but, but like when you're on the internet though, it's like, oh, you said this word, you shouldn't have mm-hmm. a, a thing anymore. Like, like these things don't exist on Twitter. It's and, not, and it's not a place for nuance. The, 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 the news outlets are all saying video of Joe using exactly the N word. And so even if you, even if you want to argue that there's a better euphemism to use for the word when describing it, it's clear that there is a, very large difference between using it and referencing yeah, it. Yeah, if you had like a bunch of blocks of letters that said the word and then you took a sledgehammer and smashed them, you'd be using the word, but in a, like an alliterative, artistic mm. manner. Is we know it, the media falsely frames things. We know that all they do. they'll they they'll twist whatever you did in any way possible to, to push the narrative they want. I'll tell you what I think. I think Joe's deal with Spotify, people, I, I see people chatting and they're like, they're in the chat saying, you know, he's probably got an NDA. He's probably got morality clauses about what he can and can't do about controversies. And he, Spotify probably told him to apologize or whatever. And he can't talk about it. I don't know. I think, uh, I think Joe's probably got equity and I, I think he got shares of Spotify. When you think about the biggest podcast in the world, what's the real incentive for going exclusive? There have been many outlets, many, many tech companies who have asked me and they're like, you know, how about an equity deal? And I'm just like, not interested. I literally don't care about that. But I understand why someone would say it's a good deal. I mean, think about it. The Wall Street Journal reports that Joe Rogan gets $100 million. They say it's a multi-year contract. Everyone assumes this always means cash. It doesn't. So my contract with Fusion, which was the ABC News Univision joint venture, was valued at like three to five million dollars, but direct compensation was only like seven hundred. The rest of the stuff was like discretionary budget, staffing, hiring, but it was a big contract. So if you're trying to do a big pitch, you can be like Spotify, you know, or you could be like, you know, Disney nabs up Tim Pool with a five million dollar contract or something like that. It sounds like I'm getting all this money I'm not getting. In my opinion, I don't know exactly what the you know the specifics of Joe's deal uh, with Spotify was, but I'd imagine they probably came to him and said. X amount of cash, X amount of shares, and maybe like a bonus or something like that. I would imagine. And a boat for Jamie. Like, so, so actually, <laughs> so, so, uh, Ian, you're having worked with mines. Yeah. Like, you've worked with a lot of companies. They offer equity as incentives to sign on people and stuff. Yeah. A lot of times what you do is you vest the equity, meaning that you sign a contract saying, I'm going to work here for this amount of time, five years, and every year I'll earn a portion of my percentage of equity that I would be earning in total. So for me, it was 1% of the mine stock. Uh, every year, I would get like 0.3% or 0.2. And as long as I stayed at the company, I would keep accruing it. And if I left at any time, I'd have what I had. So let's say that $100 million deal for Rogan was outright because, you know, he, he still has, com- he sells commercials on his show, right? Yes. Yeah, on Spotify, he, he, does, he does like yeah, yeah. a VOD. Is that what it's called? The, he says them directly. 
direct direct yeah. ad sales. So I'd imagine Spotify would have nothing to do with that because it's a licensing deal, right? So let's say that Spotify went to him and said, it's a multi-year contract and we'll give you $100 million in, in equity right now. Right now. As soon as he signs that deal, the stock jumped by what, like 20%? Yeah. So I don't know exactly what the specifics of their deal was, but I would imagine a good reason why Joe probably came out and apologized. He's got equity in the company. Interesting. Yeah, it has nothing to do with cancel culture. It has nothing to do. It's just literally like, how can I, you know, make sure this isn't going bad for everybody who's, you know, investing in this company. I think it's multi-layered, obviously. I think Joe obviously doesn't like the fact that that video exists. I think he's very, I think he's genuine and sincere when he was like, man, I watched that video and I'm like, I cringe watching it. You know, I, you know, wish I didn't say these things. And some of these things were crude and crass. I think he's genuine, but I think, you know, part of the motivation is, you know, got to, got to protect his business, got to protect his assets. And I don't, I, I think everyone just assumes I've seen a lot of people on the left pointing this out. People on the right just assume Joe Rogan is on their side in this great culture war battle. And he just happens to agree with them on a lot of things. But Joe Rogan is just a comedian and entertainer who talks about stuff he cares about. Don't expect him to jump in the line of fire for you. But at the same time, like defending free speech, defending, you know, unfil- the unfiltered conversations that he has, I think it's important for our discourse. And I think it's even more important is that he he gives another side of the story that very, very powerful institutions want to censor. And so the reason, you know, I, I, I think the reason like most people admire Joe Rogan and defend Joe Rogan, people on the right, I would say, is for those reasons. Because like, you know, people, we believe in free speech. We believe that it's important to talk about things and not, and that, sen- and that censorship is for weak people. And so like in terms, when you, th- just thinking in terms of defending this idea of free speech with, without censorship, I think that's why the people on the right defend him in the way that they've been doing well here's 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 the, the next big move we got the story from cnbc spotify ceo apologizes to staff for joe rogan controversy as episodes get removed the ceo said that it was joe who pulled the episodes and they've gone on to announce that they will be investing where is this thing 100 million dollars the ceo of spotify said they will invest 100 million dollars for the licensing development and marketing of music and audio content from historically marginalized groups i don't know exactly what that means but i can tell you this if Spotify takes $200 million and gives 100 to Joe Rogan and 100 to historically marginalized groups, on the surface, I could care less. More speech is better. More speech is good. The problem is we're not getting more speech. Joe Rogan is conceding and apologizing and bending the knee and changing his positions. And the woke left is getting a massive influx of cash. So this is not more speech. It's the same old establishment talking points. And the one show, there's a reason why it's so big, Joe Rogan's show, the the one the one show with a big enough footprint that actually moved the needle that discusses anti-establishment talking points is bending the knee even if it's only a little bit. So we are not gaining in this. A lot of people pointed out when Joe said, "I'll try my hardest to have you know if I have one person who's controversial, I'll have another expert following him." It's like, oh okay. So the establishment mainstream media, which controls billions of views per month that everyone's already seen, and the one guy, the one time he gets a chance to speak out like Dr. Robert Malone on this audience, you're going to give the establishment the rebuttal when they already own the entire narrative. I think the good's not a win. The tactic is to have them on together, Sanjay and Malone, and then the truth will come out. Well, and Rogan can be <laughs> hold the microphone. Some, some people have said, you know, every, all these all these you know people are absolutely right. Joe should not be platforming misinformation. Dr. Fauci should go on his show for three hours and explain everything in detail. 
Mm. Wouldn't that I, be wonderful? Oh, and then, and then right. in six months, that'll be misinformation. It'll have to take it down. Well, that's you know that's, that's the thing. That's what Joe literally said in the first video he made. That a lot of the stuff that Dr. Uh, Malone and, and, and McCullough talked about a year ago would get you banned for. So he's not going to stop. Then what happens is these activists resurface a really old video, a compilation of out-of-context clips. And Joe said he felt bad about it and he apologized for it. The issue is there's two fundamentally different worldviews. Joe is clearly of the worldview that we occupy, that there are certain contexts where describing things is okay. The other worldview claims that Joe used the slur simply by uttering its word in a descriptive context. Joe does not occupy that worldview, although he's claiming now he understands it and agrees with them. Does he really agree with them or is he scared of them? Because I'll be completely honest. I completely will openly admit I recognize there are conversations you can't have. You will get banned outright. Joe is coming out and saying basically that same thing. That's why I'm kind of like, oh, you know, I kind of get it, I guess. I, I get it. I used mean humor when I was a kid. It was kind of a part of our friend group, and we would call each other really abusive names and, like, race, be racist and all this gross stuff. And then I learned somewhere in college, I went to theater school, and it was very liberal. Homosexuality was present. And I learned, like, you can't just make fun of people because of the, of the way they are. And I stopped doing it. And man, has my life become better. I, I don't have crap. For the most part, anything I, like I haven't done the racist, the, the, the hate, hateful, not that it's hateful comedy, but the, I haven't made people the edgy. butt of my jokes since, since I was 2001 or something. Edgy comedy was all the rave in the nineties and two thousands. And now it's just comedy is forbidden, man. Well, I mean, it's interesting too, because especially in the, the late nineties, early two thousands, all of the edgy comedy was being done by left-wing people who were trying to promote a left-wing message. And on some level, I think that's why they were so successful in the culture war at that time. I think there's a simple solution to all of this. For one, look, Joe's got a really big show and that's why this news is getting so much attention. Everyone is talking about it. It's getting bigger. Joe's apology video made the story substantially larger. His second apology made it even larger. It's not going to go away unless or until, you know, uh, the story is not going to stop until Joe's show is gone for whatever reason, either pulled off or he quits because, you know, they want him, the, the political establishment, they want him gone before the midterms. They can't have him propping, you know, these voices or anything like that. But I think... None of this, in the end, is, is really going to matter. You know what matters? Infrastructure. Infrastructure. One of, the, one of the challenges we face is that we use YouTube for one of our you know, key pieces of infrastructure, the live portion of the show. A lot of people have pointed out that we should use Rumble. It's true. The issue is Rumble is a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of the audience that YouTube has. And while a lot of people have said, so what? Just do Rumble anyway. I don't think people realize that... I would say maybe like 70% of the people who watch this show are not super politically active people. They don't know what Rumble is. They won't watch Rumble. They'll just be confused one day as to why this show is gone. That's all they'll know. It's and, gone. And I think it's against well, terms of service of YouTube if we run like an ad from 8 to 10 on YouTube that says come to the Rumble stream. Like they don't. You can't do it's that. It's against terms of service to add, tell people there's, to there's go clever, off site. There's clever things people do where they'll, be, they'll stream for a minimum amount of time and then announce they're doing a stream somewhere else. But if you like YouTube has a rule that if you announce you're streaming somewhere else and then leave, they, it's a bannable offense. Yeah. Outright ban your whole channel. Also, you have to think about why YouTube and Google are implementing a lot of these different censorship censorship strategies. And the reason is because left wing activists complain to them and say things like you're allowing this person on this platform. 
And often they'll say, you're allowing people to be radicalized by this specific person on this platform. Someone who's come to YouTube for reasons that are totally non-political will see a Tim Pool video or a Freedom Tunes video or a Crowder video and they will get sucked down this deep, dark rabbit hole. Now, what the person is really saying is that other ideas are being given a voice on this platform and I don't like that. For our response to be, you know what, then we're just going to get off their platform and give them exactly what they want is in some ways for us to admit defeat. Yeah, it's like there's a big battlefield and, you know, the ranks are being flattened. So we yell, retreat, let's go, seed the battlefield. It's and and it's true. I mean, eventually, yeah, YouTube could ban each and every one of our channels. And I think it's important to have a contingency plan uh, for if and when that happens. But the fact that the left wing is out there saying they're on YouTube and that's bad makes me very much want to stay on YouTube because I want to do the things that the left thinks are terrible. So there's a couple things to say. One, this is why we have TimCast.com. So we can host, you know, conversations in our quote unquote speakeasy. But the other thing I'll say is if someone is, here's what I tell people. They're like, Hey, I want to get started doing a podcast or whatever. I'm like, do it on Rumble. Don't start on YouTube. Rumble has for new channels, in my opinion, an opportunity for growing an audience faster than YouTube does. Mm. And an opportunity for a style of content that is greatly missing in the market. I started making YouTube videos as content and censorship was getting worse and worse and worse. Here we are with with a big platform and a lot of people who watch. So I think it's important to maintain. But we do post everything to Rumble as well. And for TimCast.com, we use Rumble infrastructure. If you're starting a new channel, look at Dan Bongino. Dan Bongino had 2 million subscribers on Rumble and only like 700 or 800,000 on YouTube. So if you're starting a new channel, I would say start it on Rumble. And we've talked about this too. If you want to do comedy, you can really do comedy on Rumble. The links can be shared. Then ultimately what it comes down to is it's not about Joe. It's not about any individual. It's about infrastructure. It's about the ability of individuals to freely speak without without having to uh, to worry about being banned. So in the event we ever did get banned, oh yeah, we'd immediately be on, you know, Rumble most likely. But, uh, you know, they're not perfect either. We'd still operate much the same way. And, you know, we probably just carry on. But there'd be a lot of people who would be genuinely confused as to what happened to the show. They, you know, YouTube will probably lose some viewership. But man, I got to tell you, when we are sick or we have a cancellation and so the show doesn't happen, we can post about why it doesn't happen everywhere. And we still get emails from people saying, like, where's the show? I even get Facebook messages from family, like, where's the show? And I'm like, man, we literally posted on Twitter, on Instagram, on YouTube. Like, we posted all over the place. And people don't see it. They just turn on the TV at eight, turn it off at 10. Basically, A lot of people tell me they turn on their TV, open the YouTube app, and then watch the show live on their TVs. And we've also seen a whole bunch of images that was really funny. I think Luke, it was Luke, he was browsing Amazon. You remember this? Yeah, yeah. He was browsing Amazon looking at TVs to buy. And one of the TVs had a product description like photos. And the photo was us on the TV. It was really, really funny. So meta. So so anyway, look, the the point is we're, we're, we're beholden to YouTube for a lot of ways. But I like to imagine that we have we have extended some kind of bridge from YouTube to Rumble to to BitChute to Gab to Minds to any other of these other platforms where people can still communicate and share. So my advice is anyone starting new channels, Rumble is your opportunity, not YouTube. I'm very interested in integrating Minds and Rumble. It's it's on the talking table right now. I've been hanging out with Chris and Bill, and I'm I'm like obsessed with this. I want to put it together. I want to bring Andrew. Come on in, buddy. I know over there, Gab. I see you. Uh. I love you, Andrew. I think integrating Gab, Minds, and uh, Rumble and Library is so key and right there in front of us. Very excited. Well, that's like one of the things we do is we like, you know, the candidates that we work with and a lot of the, uh, you know, organizations we work with are, you know, the big tech censorship is a very important issue to them. And so, like, 
when we work with a candidate, we want to steer like we want to steer them towards you know when we get this new GOP majority, we actually have to do something, change laws in Congress that can prevent big tech from sense from politically motive from doing politically motivated censorship. And, you know, because of the lobbying budgets they have, that's why it's never been done. Because a lot of, you know, unfortunately, it's a lot of Republicans who take money from these companies and then laws are never changed and the censorship continues. Is there a way to get that money out of politics? Uh, well, no, no, because we have citizens, because we have the Citizens United case where corporations are considered people and they have free speech. So, you know, there are campaign finance laws, like the FEC has like laws, but, you know, there are ways like there are ways around it just as there are ways around, you know, billion like rich people when they pay their taxes. Yeah. So we yeah. have to repeal what what was it called? Uh Citizens United. That's the name of the Supreme Court case, but you know, it's a Supreme Court Overturn case. Overturn it. It's very tough to repeal that. A yeah, Supreme it's Court a case. it's a it's a precedent basically allows super PACs to spend it money. comes yeah. from way back in the 1800s a guy a really rich guy wanted to run for president had all this money he was like why can't i use my own money on my own campaign i want to take a train around the u.s and they're like he's kind of making a good point and that was the first step of like hey rich guy gets to do politics yeah. a little easier and yeah. so they start passing laws to kind of aid the wealthy after that yeah but i mean the, I, what i think is that the GOP has changed a lot on the issue of big tech and i think we're starting to see them get a lot more serious you know, with, with on that issue. And I, you know, when we get this new GOP majority in this new midterm election, that should be, that's, that's an issue they need to focus on. Yeah. Sure. They talk about breaking up big tech. I don't think yeah. you can break up the corporation. That's why I talk about freeing the software code of big social yeah. networks. I wonder if it's too fascist to order the government to, but it's kind of like breaking up a monopoly. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. are antitrust laws fascist? I don't think so. They're like anti-fascist. Yeah. It, yeah. it depends on who you ask, I guess. Look, I think I think if you're like a libert, I mean, I think I would say most libertarians would be against that sort of thing. But I would mm-hmm. say, as you know, I, as somebody on the as a conservative, as somebody, I distrust. If you distrust, you know, concentrated power in the government, you should also distrust concentrated power in corporations. And I think one of the things people on the right, you know, miss today is that government today is is not the only threat to our liberty corporations that get too big can be just as big of a threat and even more of a threat like what would you say is a bigger threat to your freedom today the government or google yeah no exactly google mm-hmm. yeah it's wild the military uh, concerns me but a corporation can hire private military basically it can have armed security and then if they want to flick a switch and go psycho you're like well glad we have a government to protect us well, let's talk about what's uh, what's coming next for the U.S., right? So outside of media and big tech and all that stuff, we still have some direct action. We got the story from Rolling Stone. Republican lawmaker basically begs anti-vax truckers to blockade the Super Bowl. There's almost no chance of the blockade happening, but Rep. Wendy Rogers, part of the law and order GOP, is basically pining for it, saying if truckers shut down the Super Bowl, it would it would partially be payback for Colin Kaepernick and the kneeling. Is that begging? Is that practically begging? Yeah, it's, it's, this is the the nature of media these days. Everything's hyperbole. I mean, it is what it is. But, um, I don't know if there's actually going to be a convoy to the Super Bowl. Other than I've seen more than just Wendy Rogers bring it up. I've seen people on, on Twitter and other forums actually say it would be a good idea and they'd want to do it. There's also, the, the U.S. convoy that's supposedly forming to go to D.C. as well. So 
Americans are absolutely getting on board with this. What if uh, a convoy went over to the Olympics? Think the CCP would do anything? <laughs> How would they even get in? Oh, Take know, a the, ferry. The, the Bering Strait. Plus, it's like Got the Winter me. Olympics, so it would be like driving up a mountain yeah. or something. It's still crazy to me that like after just a year where China unleashed a pandemic on the world that killed millions of people, they've cracked down on on Hong Kong, they've, they've committed a genocide – and the world responds by sending all of their athletes there to compete in the Olympics. That's I want to why be people sure are gloating at I, all of these athletes who are getting injured and, and screwing up. There's that one uh, Chinese American woman who uh, uh, she she resent she what's the what's the word she abandoned. I, are you talking about Eileen Gu, the Is skier? That, no, 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 no. She she just like slipped on her skis or whatever. Oh, you're talking about an injury? Okay. Skating. No, I'm talking about that woman who fell uh, ice skating. And uh, she had renounced her American citizenship to to skate for China instead of America. Wait, uh, what? I didn't see that. Yeah, yeah that happened. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. A, a, a Chinese American born woman renounced U.S. citizenship to. Uh, I, I think I have it. Maybe Zhu yeah, uh, Yi. Because when you when you said that, I was thinking of. Uh, here we go. Yeah, Zhu Zhu Yi falls again, breaks down in tears. The Olympics. People are making fun of her because yeah. uh, she gave up American citizenship, and now she's fallen twice. And uh, people in China are mocking her and insulting her and laughing at her. Yeah, sad. I mean, I was thinking, I was thinking of the skier, yeah. or the skier uh, who was born in America and grew up in San Francisco. Her oh, mom, she- her mom was from China, and she competed for the U.S. until two years ago, and she switched to China and is now competing for China in the Olympics. Is she the is she the one who shattered her leg? No, I don't think so. Her name's her name's Eileen Gu. You sure? I believe I saw so. Something about a shattered leg. I didn't. I mean, I haven't watched like the Olympics at all for obvious yeah, reasons. So I'm, I don't. I'm, no, no, no. Was she? I don't know. There's a. There was two. One of there was. I think she was the one who lost one of her skis, but then just like slid it out and was totally fine. But there's another skier who was doing slalom and she like slipped out and then her leg spiraled and she like fractured oh or tibia God. or whatever. Yeah, what, what's the bone down there? Is it the tibia? The tibia yeah. is the toe bones. The fibula is the finger. I know T and F. That's how I remember. Oh, is it? Yeah. No, what's... what's are the you femur sh- is the... Lydia looks like... She yeah, thinks he's Lydia's no, the doctor. So the femur is like that biggest bone. The biggest bone in he your He said leg. fibia. So, yeah, the fibia, I believe that's in the leg. Yeah. Oh, I thought that's... Am I wrong about that? But it's not oh, toes and fingers. I'm so sorry yeah. if I'm wrong about that. I thought tibia I and fibia Ian, you rolled a one. My dad told me that 30 years ago. I'm looking it up, you guys. Femur breaks also... The bone between your knee and your foot. That one. That's like, the femur. No. No, the no, femur is your thigh. Oh, between your knee and your foot. It's your biggest bone. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. fibula. Fibula? Yeah. Oh, okay, right. I, that I, one. I thought it was What's fibula. Tibia. I was way off. But Maybe she like... Arm. Is the arm? She like spiraled it. It was brutal, man. Oh, the toe and fingers. Yeah, but that, that, is, that is a really good point that... Uh, oh, it's the at, fibula. It's different fibula. than the fibia. I guess those are mm. different. There's People... All of these athletes who are agreeing to this, I'm just... I'm sitting back with my feet up while they're all complaining about the conditions they have to go through. Because apparently, like, communist China is unpleasant. Who would have known? I would have guessed. And so all these athletes are like, it's so miserable here. And I'm like, don't go. Dude, I'm sorry. People are like, but they've but they've worked so hard their whole lives for the Olympics. And it's like, so what? There was that woman who, ref- who was a chess grandmaster who refused to go to Iran because she wasn't going to wear a hijab. And I'm like, that's awesome. Yeah, good for her. She was like, screw that. I ain't doing it. And I'm like, yes. Start a YouTube channel, play chess online. But these people, it shows you what they care more about. It shows you you what they care more about. These people who are willing to go to China to compete, every single one of them, they care more about a piece of gold on their neck than they do about concentration camps, about potential war and conflict, about what's going on in Hong Kong. I think it's gross. Like actors with the Emmys and the Oscars want to get that medal. Do anything, same thing, bend down and stay quiet so you get that medal. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I was an athlete growing up, so like I understand if you're someone who's playing a sport your whole life, you know, you dream of going to the Olympics, this is your chance. Like, I get it. Like, I get it. You know, I, it's hard to give that up just to make, just to make a political statement. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, like, it, it, like it's, like, put yourself in their shoes. Like, if you're someone who's been training your entire life in this sport, the Olympics is your dream. It's hard, like, it's hard to give that up. I don't, I, I don't, so that's why I, I don't, like, I don't really blame anyone for doing this. I blame, you know, America for not, Standing up and saying, no, we're not sending our people to China. For well, the, for the, well, why is it incumbent upon the government to stop athletes as individuals? Well, no, not, not, not the government. I'm not necessarily the government. I'm talking about like, you know, the governing body of USA athletics. Right. If, if, if the USA came out and boycotted the Olympics, they'd be forcing all the athletes. Yeah, like, but I, the athletes could just choose not to go. Yeah, that's true. But like, ah, but, 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 yeah. but, but, but like I said, like, it's hard, like, it's really tough. Well, like, if you're, an, if you're an athlete like that, like I understand that would that's a that's a tough decision to make. I, I, just, I just as someone who played sports my whole life. Sure, and I mean I agree that it's a tough decision, but also just because it's the difficult decision doesn't mean it isn't the right one. And oftentimes it is. I'm I'm really confused. I don't think it's a difficult decision at all. Like quite well, the opposite. Well, he's saying no. I I don't think it's a difficult decision morally. I think it's very straightforward. I think you don't go. I think what he's saying is that they have to make a large personal sacrifice. But yeah. what I'm saying is even if you have to make a large personal sacrifice to do the right thing, you should still do it. And I yeah. do blame them for not. Yeah, it's like how many, how many, uh, like how many people murdered in genocide is too much for you as an Olympic athlete. You know what I mean? One. Exactly. Because yeah. clearly, because clearly what's happening to the Uyghur Muslims, what's happened to Hong Kong, what they're threatening over Taiwan is not enough for any of these people to be like, yeah, maybe I don't go into uh, Beijing on this one. Didn't, and, and would it be funny if, if even a small fraction of all of the Olympic athletes were like, Hey, we're not going to, we're not going to compete as individuals. I just, I'm not going to go to China. And then China would have to be like, maybe we should stop doing this to the Uyghur Muslims because we're losing out on the Olympics. I, what, uh, Jesse Owens, I'm thinking of 1936 Berlin Olympics, Nazi Germany. He went and performed black guy. And like, it was like a yeah, big deal won, in yeah, Nazi Germany. And he won four gold medals. Yeah. And he made a global statement and that yeah. was a big, deal so there's a chance for people to go to china and be like yo down with communism but nancy pelosi's like please don't do that because they're crazy over there i don't i don't i don't like the whole go and protest at the event thing you know i, I said it before i'm just like maybe sporting should just be sporting and because they they're, they're banning like they, they announced they banned black lives matter at these events and i'm like yeah well you know maybe if people want to just go and compete and it doesn't have to be political all the time every single time however I think it's also fair to then be like, you don't got to protest there, but you also don't have to go there. You know, the Olympics have always been very neutral, even way back to Athens and the original Olympics. It was a, it was a time for all these different Athenian, uh, or all these different Greek nations to come together. Even if they were at war with each other, they, they agreed that they would let the athletes pass through their territory, even of countries they were at war with, to go to the Olympics. Cause it was so fun. It was just like, that's the human, you know, that we play. You yeah. know? What do you guys, so what do you guys think of the World Cup? So we have the World Cup coming up too in November and it's in Qatar. <laughs> and apparently, and they're building, and, and so. They, How many corpses are in the stadium so, that building? So, so they had to move it, so usually it's in the summer, but they moved it to November because of how hot it gets there in the yeah. summer, and apparently, like, there are reports that they're using, like, slave labor to build oh, the yeah, stadium. Oh yeah, of course, of course, for a yeah, long time. There, yeah. there, there, uh, reports, I, I, I could be wrong about this, so fact check me, it's been a long time since I read about this, but like, uh, uh, corpses in the rubble as they're building, it's just like, oh, somebody died, well, bury over them! It's crazy. I mean, it just shows how, like, corrupt, you know, the international governing bodies of the Olympics and of the, of FIFA are, that they that they give like these 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 countries somehow got the chance to host. This you got to understand but, how people are. How people are is that they've spent their whole life working towards a goal. There is nothing that will stand in their way. For these 18, 19-year-old Olympic athletes who are skiing or snowboarding, they're like, "Yo, look, 
I know that China has these Uyghur Muslims, these women being raped by, by Han Chinese men and forced impregnated. I know they're doing forced abortions and sterilization, but I want that gold medal, dude. Come on. Well, I don't care how many people they kill in those camps, right? Is that what they're saying? I think these people are disgusting. I think it's a very sad reality, and it's been difficult to see that in many cases people only care about morality insofar as their reputation requires it. And so we're at a, we're at a place where I imagine most people would spend more time criticizing atrocities of the past, like Nazi Germany or transatlantic slavery, uh, than they would criticizing actual atrocities in the world that people won't pat them on the back so much for addressing. Yeah, there's no sacrifice complaining about the past. Exactly. And and, and so, I mean, again, is there a statistical analysis done on this? No. But based on the conversations I've had, particularly with left-leaning people, I think there is currently a lot more criticism going on uh, about Nazi Germany, which ended in the 1900s, right, late 40s, then there is criticism of communist China, which is actually engaged in genocide right now. Did Did you guys see the story about Savannah Guthrie? No. China using Uyghur athlete in Olympic ceremony and in-your-face response to the West. This, this I, moment is quite provocative. It's a statement from the Chinese president Xi Jinping. Dude, we are we are heading towards a future where there is Chinese communist authoritarianism. You mentioned there was already one athlete who defected. I guess there's apparently more than one who's defected from the United States to go perform for China. LeBron James may as well go do it. He's he's defended China. You've got Mark Cuban, and apparently Elon Musk is using social media. What is it, Weibo or whatever? Oh, okay. Weibo? Yeah. I don't know. We, I can't remember who we had on the show. They were talking about how Elon Musk will say all these great freedom things on Twitter, but then he's also on Chinese social media praising China. Yeah, we talked about... Oh, did you see this video got taken down by Twitter, too? The original account that... Oh, yeah, look that at that. tweeted it got taken down. Oh. It's been disabled in response to a report by the copyright owner. And so, so the copyright owner, is that NBC in this case? Apparently, yeah. yeah. Like t- getting a, a video of one of their reporters. The stories that have them. come out of China over what's happening to the Uyghur Muslims, I hope you guys realize it is, it's on par with like the, uh, some of the worst atrocities we've ever heard of in the history of mankind, like forced abortions, like taking women and holding them down and forced abortions, forced sterilization, bringing men in to rape these women. These, these stories, some of the, the, the images and the videos that have, that have, that have come out are some of the most nightmarish and grotesque things we've ever seen. And, 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 and Disney is producing films in these regions. And apparently none of it matters. None of it matters to any one of these big corporations. None of it matters to these athletes. That's right. Money, money, money. money. Got to get like, paid. Yeah. I mean, I think a big difference between, you know, atrocities between China and, you know, authoritarian countries in the past that have committed atrocities is that China, like we've never seen the amount of financial interest that China has with the, with the West. Like it's incomparable to like the Soviet Union or any of, any of these other countries. Like the, like the influence China has over the biggest corporations in the world, the biggest corporations in America who are just drunk on their Chinese dollars. Like that's, that's the difference. That's why, that's why, that's why it's, it's all about money. I, earlier you mentioned, um, that way, the way you were saying it was that you said the Chinese unleashed the, the virus on the world. I want, I want to create some nuance because I think it's more that there was a technocratic scientist group of scientists that did yeah. it. Well, at least they, the they Chinese, co- like, co- I guess co- the, covered up would may have been a better, but the poor yeah. people, the, the people party. of China are like suffering. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not there and I'm not a Chinese, but 
it looks like that they're underneath this substrat or they're the subs underneath this substrat of like I don't, mechanical I don't, authoritarianism or something. I mean, I, I would I would somewhat agree with that, but what do you think they say about us? I don't know. Probably similar things. They criticize our censorship on social media. They criticize our police. They it was really interesting. There's this meme of doctors walking down a hall and all these superheroes are bowing to them. And I thought it was really interesting because bowing isn't really an American thing. It's more of an an Asian thing. Wouldn't like so I'm, I'm wondering where did this meme come from? And I'm not insinuating anything by it in terms of who made it. I'm just wondering, you know, why wouldn't it be clapping for like superheroes I wonder, clapping? I wonder if we evolved our bows to nods. Well, what I mean is much more subtle now that it has long been uh, wide. It's widely believed that China they have something called the Fifty Cent Armies. They propagandize on the internet. They get paid to do it. They are the you know they're widely censored, but. I think it's a fair assumption that part of the, the Cold War with China is that they're flooding our social media with divisive and, and you know, divisive memes to create conflict and so, so division in this, in, in this country. Now, the, the advantage they have is that they've greatly censored the Internet, preventing the U.S. from doing similarly. We? Well, we're susceptible to it. So to imagine over in China, they're saying things like the American people think they're free. They're not. There's that hilarious propaganda video of North Korea where they're like homeless people they starve, they have no health care and things like that, which are all technically the truth. Of course, it's way better here than it is in North Korea, but they highlight the worst of the worst and claim the worst possible things are happening. And I'd be willing to bet that for a lot of people in China, they don't know anything about Uyghur Muslims. They have no idea it's happening. So their media is all saying we're bad. Our media is saying they're bad. And here we are gearing up for some kind of conflict over Taiwan. Well, for a lot of like Chinese college students who come to America, like my sister knew a few at her college. They they didn't, they didn't know what Tiananmen Square was before they moved here. They didn't know, you know, they didn't know about any of the. They didn't know what the Great Leap Forward was. How many people it killed before they came here? It's it's crazy. Here's zero, man. Pol Pot. Tiananmen Square is nuts. That was yeah. what 1993 when this happened. Early 90s. It was yeah. a big protest of college students and like intelligentsia yeah. came out to protest communism and it was like, hey, we're here now. We finally, this is it. And they were the communist government rolled out tanks and mowed down. Yeah. Crowds of people. The tank man and pictures then like the tries one. to censor it. And like on that day, they'll, they'll ban like that word from different, uh, social m- sites and stuff. Like you, it's hard to find it on that day because you can see the CCP's trying to stop people from knowing that it happened. Yeah. I'm just, someone super chatted something about BLM and, and China. We'll read it when we get to super chats, but I just, I just think it's going to be funny when invariably we get some celebrity or some, some athlete in the, at the Olympics. Who like raises the red salute and then yells something for Black Lives Matter in a country that's for sterilizing minorities? It was 1989 Tiananmen Square protests yeah. and massacre. But it's not the first thing that comes up when you search for it, even on DuckDuckGo. It's brutal, man. I mean, I guess it's it's today Tiananmen Square hotels, you know. But I I I think uh, people might view this as pessimistic. I don't think it's so pessimistic, but I think China's going to win. Well, how do you mean win? They're gonna they're gonna become the dominant global superpower. All the countries will become deferential to China instead of the U.S. China will expand military bases. They already are all over all over the planet. And then the United States will be kind of much more like Russia. Then the, op- the so op- our the cost of living will go up dramatically. You know, we'll probably bring more labor and and project and, and products will be manufactured in the U.S. But life will generally get harder for most Americans. I don't think it's a bad thing. I think uh, American gluttony is resulting in this like lost generation. 
Uh, the millennial generation are the softest of soft we've seen in a long time. And that's probably why we're, you know, the fourth turning stress out generational theory. It's probably why things are getting bad in the first place. These are people who don't work, don't want to work, complain about the little work they have to do and demand the government pay them free. You know, just give them money for no reason. The money comes out of the pockets of those who actually do work. Sorry, but if you live in New York and you work for BuzzFeed, you're not actually producing anything of value to society. And, and for that matter, I'll be completely real and say, I know a lot of people like this show, but damn, sometimes I'm surprised that we sit around a table talking about our thoughts and feelings and we make more money than a plumber does. Plumber actually makes sure your poop goes away. That's in in many ways, the collective work of trades groups, electricians, machinists, as people noted before, substantially more value than even than than even what we do. To be fair to us, I understand that defending, you know, uh, liberty, freedom and supporting the working class who are actually making everything possible is still a good thing. It's important to have you know, a culture that, that, you know, maintains these values and, and, and ideas. But man, we sure got a whole lot of millennials who do literally nothing and complain about everything. It's also Gen X. A lot of people, it's the gut biome, I think, has destroyed motivation. People consume too much, yeah, like saying gluttony, too much of that gunk in your gut. And you just, you get up and it's like, I'm tired. I'm, I, I don't know. I'm bored. You don't understand that boredom is not, boredom is not supposed to happen. Hmm. Everything is so stimulating. Clear your gut and you'll see it. Well, no, I mean, I would, I, I think it's more of a willpower thing. People are so well fed that they don't really have to hunger and they don't really chase things or seek out goals the way people of the past did. And Ian, I sort of hear what you're saying. I wouldn't put it exactly that way. I wouldn't say that boredom isn't supposed to happen. I would say that it's something we're supposed to allow to happen so that we can find interesting things to focus on rather than just looking at our smartphone or seeing what's on television or browsing the internet. Boredom, boredom shouldn't exist. Yeah, yeah, when you're calm in your, it's the most relaxing thing. Thoughts are an annoyance at that point. Well, no, I, I mean, I think that we should allow for moments of boredom to come because that's when creativity really starts to flourish. You start coming up with ideas on your own or figuring out things to do. We should if every boredom. time that boredom no, starts no. to kick in, you look at your phone and start scrolling. You're I, never going to be. I productive. don't think you're talking about boredom. I think you're talking about listlessness or laziness. How do you or define relaxation? Boredom? Yeah, I, I would define boredom as. When I think almost by definition, it's when you you aren't sure what to focus on or nothing is grabbing your attention. I would say boredom is when nothing is grabbing your attention. I think that's a fair way of defining it. I'm never bored. I have never. Not been I, I think I think never. sometimes I think sometimes it's it's good to allow yourself to be in a situation where you're not sure what to focus on because that means you're not looking at all of the traditional things that are grasping for your attention at all times, and I, you're looking you're, you're trying to find something deeper. Or go I, no, something. you could I, be in a position where you're not. Focusing on anything but not be bored is a point I would like to make. Mm. It's like yeah, a, a boredom. Boredom, of- in my opinion, is a result of it, it's it's luxury it's luxury based stagnation. It's that we we live in such luxury that people can sit there and be like, I have literally nothing to do. Well, if you have a mission, if you have drive and you have purpose, you literally will never experience that. But for so many people, they have no purpose. Boredom arises. What do I do now? I got off work. I have money for my bills. My rent is paid. What do I do? Consume. Boredom. Yeah. Put something Consume. in my stomach and then not have to create something because I'm, I'm busy digesting. Yeah. There, there are, I have downtime. Downtime is like, man, I'm exhausted. You know, so I'll, I'll, I, here, here's what I did today. I woke up immediately, got to work, finished work around two, immediately skated for two hours, ate food and sat and then sat for about an hour or so to try and just like rest, not boredom, exhaustion. Then I get cleaned up to come on the show, and here we are on the show once again. We're going to finish a show, and then I'm going to go to bed. Then I'm going to wake up and do it all over again. There's no on the weekends. It's relaxation, not boredom. It's like, woo! I need to chill. 
Mm. Wow, man, I am wiped out. Yeah, I guess maybe we're defining the term differently, or maybe we disagree, but I think a little bit of boredom every now and again is healthy. I bet we're slightly defining it differently. Yeah, that, that could be possible. Boredom, to me, is usually when someone, like you said, I don't know what to do, and you're sitting there confused. You're like, not what sure do what I to do? focus on. Yeah, or, or or the things that you should be doing are not immediately obvious to you. When and I think so often when people get that first dose of boredom, their instinct is to run to some form of entertainment. I want to look at my phone. I want to look at my computer. I want to see what's on television. Instead of sitting there and going, why don't I imagine a story? Why don't I start picking at a guitar? Why don't I learn an instrument or a hobby or something along but those you see, lines? You see, that's for for someone like me. I've I've had you know I've been bored before for to you know to a certain degree, but for for the most part, I probably experienced substantially left boredom. And I think that's something you get when you're a kid. I think it's something, you you know, if you grow up with no purpose and no meaning, mm-hmm. you're probably going to find yourself bored very, very often, un- yeah. unsure of what to do with yourself. For me, it was too much to do all the time. I played music. I skateboarded. I was constantly reading the news. I was constantly learning. I used to do flash animations. I used to make websites. I was always just trying to do something, understand something, or solve something. What kind of, what was your diet like? Did you guys eat a lot of sugar growing up? Oh, uh, I ate a lot of candy. But yeah. was it was it allowed to have soda in the house? Did we? Yeah, yeah. We had Fresca. Oh, <laughs> and then we had Royal Crown Cola. Oh, that was RC way better than Pepsi. Of course, it's the best. The, yeah, I mean, Royal Clown. We, we Royal, Royal Clown. We had sugar <laughs> kind of banned. Crown. Royal Clown World. Yeah. It was kind of banned Royal from Clown. our house. My mom wouldn't ha- let us have soda in the house. So it, it, at the time, I hated it because I always wanted sugar, 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 and I go to the drug mart and get sugar and like uh, lemon heads and you know, you know spree and all this. But I, it, not having it in my diet helped me in later life. I, I used to make video games on uh, back in the day. I, was, I would do some Flash programming. I would do some uh, – there was a thing called Click and Play that used to exist, then Games Factory, and then Multimedia Fusion. I used those. But then – so when I wasn't doing that, I was playing Magic the Gathering. I was playing Pokemon. I was skateboarding. So I was literally always doing something. Just like there was never a period of where I wasn't doing anything. We weren't well off by any means. My skateboard was always like you would get worn down, and then I'd be riding a, a you know crusty board for a while. And then I didn't have the best cards ever, so it became really hard to be competitive in any of these things like magic or whatever. But I was always doing something. It was There was always somewhere to be. And then if I wasn't doing any of those things, there was like just people to hang out with, to talk about. And so we were always off on adventures. I got to say, I think skateboarding is one of the most powerful things you can do for a kid. Because when I first started skating, first of all, it gives you drive and direction. You've got something to accomplish. It's tangible. It's in front of you. You know how to do it. You've seen people do it. Now you need to accomplish it. You get it. What's the next step? Then what happens is there's fears to overcome. Dropping it on a half pipe is scary, but you have to do it and you're going to fall the first time. Not everybody, but 95% chance you're going to fall and get hurt. And you have to if you want to overcome that hurdle. Then the other thing that skateboarding does is we started exploring. Me and all my friends would, would travel around going to different neighborhoods, trying to find new places to skate, meeting new people, expanding our reach throughout the city. Then eventually I went to other cities and suburbs and other states and then traveled around the country. Outside adventure. That's a yeah. big part of it, being in nature. Yeah. I think uh, Andrew Huberman, was he's a neuroscientist, was saying every human should at least for 15 minutes a day gaze into the horizon. It does something to the brain. He explains it way better than I do. But I suggest checking out Andrew Huberman. He's a genius. He has a great podcast on YouTube. Outdoor activity and also hanging yeah. from branches apparently is yeah. very good for your balance, according I, to Ben Stewart. 
I know that it's such a boomer thing to say, but the only reason it's a boomer thing to say is because every generation before them said it, and it's like one of the wise things they actually retained, but kids just don't spend enough time outside anymore. Yeah. And it's sad because what you're talking about, going out and exploring with your friends, I did similar things, and we were fortunate because our parents didn't really want us to have game systems. We didn't get them till we were a bit older. We didn't have cable in our house, so we pretty much had to go outside and find things to do. I knew so many kids in my generation, and especially in the generation a little bit after me, where the kids kind of didn't really develop a personality because all they were doing was focusing on electronics. And I'm not saying that you can't develop skills or, or some personality with electronics either. You know, you, like you said, you can learn to code. You can learn to build computers. That's all really productive. But it's just sad that this sense of exploration has been lost because so many kids will just find it in their video game system or nowadays in their smartphone. Well, something, something that was, I think, really good for me growing up is I was an athlete. I think sports are mm-hmm. a really important thing that you can, that you can do for a kid. It, te- you know, it's, it teaches teamwork. You know, you, you're working towards a goal of winning with a bunch of people. You meet friends that way. Like, so f- for me, I, that was something that I think really helped me. It also teaches you a lot of like, you know, values of hard work, you know, working hard to get to the highest level in your sport. Um, and I think, you know, I think, the world would be a better place if, if we had if we had a lot of athletes. Well, yeah. I think that's interesting. And one more thing I want to point out here, which is, is different between the time, and I know we're not all the same age, but the times, respectively, that we were all raised in and how kids are being raised now is even though we did have all sorts of you know distracting electronic gadgets, at least when you were outside, you were outside. Now with these smartphones, they're constantly online, even when they're outdoors. It's a very unhealthy thing. Like They don't get to take a break from that technological yeah. infrastructure the way we could when we were kids you could just kind of go out into the woods or go into the forest or go to your local pond with your siblings and really be in nature and that's not possible anymore because they always have everything at their fingertips i wonder if the wi-fi is agitating people too that might have some the countries in this upcoming civil war the barriers the borders they're digital Mm -hmm. that's why you know bill maher was like you know, we can't have a civil war because the Mason-Dixon line would go through Nana's kitchen. Mm-hmm. So, well, sure, people are now polarizing based on the ideology they hold based on digital boundaries. So there are bubbles on Twitter. There's a left bubble and a right bubble, and you can actually map it out. There's been these really great visualizations showing how they, like, they, they like clash and then spread out. And you have, like, the right, which is mostly the far right, all, like, destroyed and banned. Mm-hmm. So you have, like, this big clump of, like, center right. And then you have this huge splash of far left. Those are the borders of, of the upcoming or the current cold civil Whoa. war, civil war, whatever you want to call it. Well, I, I find that fascinating because there is an old George, George Bernard Shaw quote. He said, the class warfare of the future will be fought between competing intellectual classes for the souls of our children. That's great. When did he make that quote? Do you have any idea? I'm not sure. That's awesome. That's true. Mm-hmm. No, there you go, man. When you were talking about sports and how great they are, I had an experience where when I was a kid in fifth grade, I used to play sports, soccer and baseball. And then my mom put me in baseball in fifth grade, but what they didn't do, I was like, can I go practice batting cage? And we don't have the money. Sorry. So I couldn't practice. And so putting a kid in sport, but not putting them in a place to practice the sport was very embarrassing for me because I didn't know how to play baseball. And I was the worst kid on the team and my friends turned their backs on me. So it was really ostracizing. Well, it's this thing about skateboarding is that skate parks are typically free up into the public and there's tons of people there to hang out with. Yeah, it's more of a free, easy to practice sport. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I get that. Like, it's not obviously if your kid, if your kid doesn't like it or, you know, he doesn't enjoy it, then it's not, 
I actually it's really up. enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, just a shout out to all you parents out there. If you're going to put your kids in sports, make sure you get them training. Put them in training as well. It's just as important as the performance. That's yeah. All, all yeah, right. Let's read. Uh, let's read super chats. If you haven't already, smash that like button. One like is one honk. Go to TimCast.com, become a member. We're going to have a members-only segment coming up for you around 11 or so p.m. Don't want to miss those. And uh, as, I, as I, uh, I think I said, subscribe to this channel. So, all right, let's read some more. All right, I can't read the name of the first Super Chatter because YouTube blocks it off for some reason. But they said, the blockade at our legislative building in Regina, Saskatchewan, I was not, uh, I was not there. But last night, a crazy amount of police cleared them out. I'm yet to go by today. How sad. Crazy. Christopher Chapman says, I love big honkers, but seriously, how can you ban honking? Screw these monsters. Time for a Canadian revolution. Well, the people of Canada are standing up for themselves and nonviolent civil disobedience is working beautifully. I just refreshed Twitter and the first tweet is honk. Alien scientist. Oh, Jeremy Riss. Yeah. Right on. Honk, honk. <laughs> it's just honk. Honk. It's the cure in... for clown world was honking. That's so ridiculous. Who, knows? Who would have thought that honking could bring so many people together? Yeah, man. Happy Canuck says, in Ontario, honking at random was already illegal to do. It is in the Traffic Act and counts as aggressive driving. In Chicago, it's improper use of horn. So if you just honk randomly, they can give you a ticket for it, I guess. <laughs> William Leverett says, the trucker protest is safe and effective. Well, all right then. <laughs> Atherin says, I want to give a shout out to Otto Walks on YouTube. He is... He is a walking live streamer who has become even more popular during the honking. He crossed paths with Viva Fry today as well. Viva's great. And uh, shout out to Otto Walks. Do you guys know any other good streamers that are up there covering? We are All the Rebel News guys, for sure. The Rebel News guys have done the best job. There are a bunch of hot dogs in the chat where people are Portland posting Andy. hot dogs and then saying Portland Andy. Is he, what's, what's he's not the, there. He's just live streaming. He's not. Oh, Portland Andy. He's, he's not. Wait, he's not where? He's not in Ottawa. He's just live streaming the coverage, I think. He's not in Ottawa. He's just live streaming the coverage. Oh, okay. Yeah. So he's not on the ground. Yeah. Oh. So who's he like? He's like picking up other people's streams or something? I don't know. Kind of yeah, re Rikita so. lawing it. Rikita, Rikita lawing it. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. Ethan says, Ian, you rolled a one when you were doing your introduction, <laughs> but here is a 20 for spiritual <laughs> mind drugs because I love you. Thank you so much. <laughs> Archie Magira says, the Canadian goose is my favorite Pokemon. Uh -huh. Well, there you go. I want a shirt of that goose. Oh, goose. Was it Mesa Boot and <laughs> Honka yeah. Boot and Fine Dude? Yeah, yeah, I gotta design. get that shirt. Yeah. No, it's a sticker. I want a shirt of it. Honka Boot. I'll wear it, Jessica. You hear me? I'll wear it. I think it is Honka Boot. Honka Boot and Fine Dude. Yeah. Honk. I love it. I'm a genius. Michael says, I am an OTR driver and trainer. Most company drivers like myself can't get to the protest. Really wish you can get an active driver to come on. Lots of the public doesn't get it. Blow the train horns. All right. Cyrus says they can shut down tens of thousands of protesters, but they can't shut down millions. Stand up for your rights because no one else will. Keep up the good work, fellas and lady. Definitely. Oh, here we go. P. Deitel says flashing your headlights, warn of cops ahead, is protected by the First Amendment. Oh, that's is, interesting. But is it a civil offense then or something? Flashing your headlights? Yeah, because I've heard people could get pulled over for that. Maybe because it supposedly is disrupting traffic. Maybe that's why they pulled over. I don't know, man. The, the dangerous thing about a cop trying to claim your honking was improper or whatever, it's like, how do you, how do they prove exactly. that? Exactly. With a radar detector, with a radar gun, they can be like, you were going seven miles an hour over the limit. That's a speeding ticket. And then you go to court and he's like, here's the, the readout, your honor. It's like he was speeding. And then, you know, now they have dash cams and all that stuff. But if they were like, he used his horn improperly, I'd be like, oh, there was a fox. 
Also, how can they be scared out of the way? But I want to hit it. It's like unless they have footage, they can't even prove that you honked at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess if they're wearing body cameras. Yeah. People are saying now that apparently they're going to go around with empty gas cans all over the place so that the cops are forced to stop everybody, Whoa. but they don't have anything. Ooh. Brilliant. They yeah. always find a way, man. It's like the plants growing up out of the concrete. Yep. It's just it's like, like that. It's like, remember, I forget what European country this happened in, but there was like some European like city that banned fireworks. And there was like this video that went really viral on Twitter of just like a millions of fireworks going into the air in the city. Oh, yeah. I think – LA, I think, banned fireworks on the 4th of July. Yeah. And then people were flying in. There were fireworks everywhere. There were so cared. many last time I was there. This is what you need to understand. <clears throat> they, want you, they want to convince you that the small fringe minority of 8% is the 90%. But I'll tell you this. They're saying the same thing about the truckers, that they're a fringe minority. Yeah, that's the biggest trucker convoy the world has ever seen. And when you see them ban fireworks and then a plane is coming in and everyone's lighting them off, yo, you are with the majority. The government is lying to you. Mm-hmm. Unrealized potential says silence is violence, Ian. The honk is the way. Oh, I like you. <laughs> Raymond Loera says bring back the soccer vuvuzelas. Remember those vuvuzelas? Mm-hmm. They're the big horns and they're like, oh, and everybody yeah. was blowing them all the time. I gotta look it up. Yeah, Vuvuzela. Those got banned from everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> People were blowing those horns. Murph says, Ian, the trucker's mega horn comment totally made me think of the Power Rangers vehicles. Honk, honk. <laughs> yeah, it's like Burning Man, too. You start to hear, hear 10,000 radios all blasting at once. It becomes one song. Jeez. All right, let's see what we got. Patricia says, can they be prosecuted if they record honking and play it on a loudspeaker? Not honking, right? I mean, that's really interesting. What if, what if they record, what if someone just writes a song that has a bunch of honking in it and the song is just really, really low, but the honking is really, really loud? In the US, you need a permit to do, uh, to use a megaphone or audio, any kind of electrical audio equipment in New York. I don't know about Canadian law. Interesting. Rilo says, like it or not, everyone is in this fight over freedom. Rogan knew the rules, took a side, and capitulated where folks with less security put everything on the line and stood strong. Your friend is a coward. You know what, man? Uh, I won't I won't look at it like um, so black and white. I can only just say if you're watching this show and you think we do a good job, you can thank Joe Rogan for helping make this possible. And that's that's the important thing. If Joe decides that he's tired and he's, you know, he doesn't want to be involved in this— He's done so much good for everybody outside of literally helping us heal from sickness, helping, you know, having me on his show. I understand me going on a show is good for him, too. You know, we have guests come on the show. It's good for us. It's good for everybody. But uh, I think I think he's done so much good. Like, I'll put it this way. Out of 100 good that Joe Rogan has done, there's like, in my view, like too bad. You know what I mean? So it's like, I'm not I'm not going to be mad at the guy. He's done like. He's earned so much goodwill and credit for me. You know? It sort of strikes me like how sometimes they'll come up and you'll say, is it worth sacrificing 99% of the things you can say so you can say that one thing that's going to get you banned? And it's kind of like Joe. He's like, I'm not going to worry about this one thing. It's not. I'm just putting it away because this but other. It, but that's admittedly a defeat. Maybe. You yeah. know what I mean? Sometimes, so, so, sometimes retreat is the best option. Well, so the, the way I, that's the way I describe it. I'm like, you know, I tell people here, I've said it on the show. If there's 100 things I want to say, one of them will get us banned. We'll say the 99 things and then put the one thing on the website for everyone to, to see or we'll put it up on the podcast platforms on Sundays or whatever to try and make sure we're doing something to get it out. We do have a paywall for member content because the website costs money. It costs money every time someone watches a video when we're trying to grow the operation and do all that stuff. That's just, you know, business. But uh, it's also me basically saying 
We have taken from our heap of sand, but one grain and handed it to the other side. And that means if everyone keeps doing that, they eventually win. It's not a winning scenario. It's admitting defeat and explaining why we did. So I'm not happy about it. But well, retreat is different than defeat. You can retreat is, and then win. We've ceded certain territories for the sake of trying to maintain the center. And it's so sometimes you sacrifice a piece in chess to try and gain the upper hand and it works, but it's not easy. So in this instance, I say the same thing of, of Joe. I'm not a fan of his, his. I think the apology will backfire. I think it is backfiring. I think it's yes. bad for him across the board. It's not, you know, he can do whatever he wants. You know, I think it was a mistake. I, I think it's a mistake as an apology. I think it's a mistake culturally. I think it's a mistake for the benefit of his business. I just don't see any scenario in which apologizing will do anything for him. Mm-hmm. If he's upset that he has friends like Dave Chappelle and, you know, they don't like the fact that he said this word or whatever, he can say it to them. But doing the public statement only makes more people hate him. Interesting. Like it, it makes it worse. So it's like it's like he got a little bit of taint and now he's going in the water. And, and if he puts it out there, it's going to spread out to a bunch of other stuff. I'll put it this way. You are standing on a big stage. And there is 11 million people all watching you and staring at you on the microphone. And then someone right in front of the stage is holding up a video of you doing awful things. So you look at it, take the microphone and go, hey, there's a video right here to everybody who can hear me of me doing really awful things. I'm sorry I did it. And then everyone in the audience is like, whoa, we didn't know you did that. So that's that's the issue with like the main issue with doing blanket apologies. Joe's voice is louder than the activists who are smearing him. Joe amplified their voice with his own, multiplying the, the negative impact. That's, that's, you know, I just, hey man, we're, we're living in social science, right? We're doing social science as we live. I love this. I think, you know, I, I think Joe's probably not even paying attention to a lot of the stuff. To I hope not. Just cool your mind, bud. Yeah. I think he's just doing his thing. I wish him all the best, man. Uh, and I, 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 I feel bad that there's so much conversation around him that we keep talking about him because I'm sure it's annoying. But he's got the biggest podcast in the world and one of the biggest shows in history. So it's like, geez, got to talk about it, you know? For sure. Influencing everything. Kaysen Womble says, Seamus, your argument on abortion, your vid on Freedom Tunes changed my stance from choice to life. And Tim, if companies will turn over private texts, what could Amazon do with Alexas if they record? We got one over there yelling at me now. (laughs) They do record. They're recording all the time. Um, I, I believe. So in order for... Uh, a, a device to be activated by voice, the microphone has to be on. Now you understand. Thank you. Yeah. Also, I want to take a moment to respond to that. First of all, thank you for that super chat. I very much appreciate that. Um, I've done a few videos on abortion. Uh, I'm glad that one of them reached you and that you changed your position and are now fighting for the unborn. I mean, hearing that kind of thing really, really makes this worth it. So genuinely from the bottom of my heart, thank you. Do you know what the video is? I've done a couple on abortion. It's probably the recent one. It's probably the most recent one. Where the leftist is calling the baby a parasite, oh, yeah. but he's refusing to get a job. Oh, yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. That was probably, <laughs> it, it could have been that one. Well, either way, thank you so much. I, again, massively appreciate it. All right. Lucas Parada says, freedom protesters were arrested for bringing fuel to the truckers. So today, most protesters started carrying around empty gas cans. They are mm. genius. That is very, very clever. That's very cool. Yep. Nathan Brubaker says CBC receives $1.5 billion in taxpayer dollars from the liberals in Canada. Comparisons can be made to North Korea's government monopoly on media. Yep. That's government-funded media for you. 
Roberto says, word on the internet, 4chan already figured out where Trudeau is. Hmm. Where is that? would surprise me. Trash Panda says, Hong Kong, two Canadian boogaloo. We're not your buddy, guy. <laughs> oh, Hong Kong, two Canadian boogaloo. I get it. I get it. Indeed not. All right. Bredo says, if kicked out, truckers should simply stop delivering to Ottawa. We can fund their living on give, send, go. Yay or nay, what other option is there? That's what I said. Well, 50,000 truckers. How many truckers are there? 100,000? Oh, I don't know. In, in like um, the Canada or in total? In Canada. I don't know. How many, how many truckers work in like Canada? 500. Let me look it up. 500? Uh, 100,000. 100,000? Half of them are, re- are protesting? Jeez. SASP says ambassador bridge between Detroit and Canada has been taken over by protesters. Oh, my. Yeah, I saw oh, that. I just saw a number that in 2018, there were 312,000 truck drivers in Canada, up from 55,000 in the year two, oh, 18 wow. years earlier. So from 55 wow. to 312 in 18 years. Hmm. That's up to 2018. Jeff Mark says, Tim, did you see Dave Portnoy take down the PAC members behind the Joe Rogan video last night? It's all about a power display and creating value as the most powerful left-wing character assassins. I, I saw that he had posted it. Dave Portnoy is a rad dude as far as I'm concerned, and he's suing the media for smearing him. I think he's fantastic. And uh big fan of Barstool Sports yeah. just because they opened that new Barstool Sports book and they have like good chicken wings over at the oh. casino. Oh, nice. It's really awesome. There's like a gigantic 20-foot screen. It'd be fun to get Dave over Super here and fun. go to the casino and do a bar... Uh, barstool thing that would be super rad i would i would uh I'd, it would be super rad to have dave come yeah. out but he, he's he's a super fam- what a cool like, dude. Famous, famous busy guy so, with so much team? going on it's so it's so hilarious and wild to me that insider told one of their reporters to spend eight months interviewing every single woman <laughs> that dave portnoy has ever had sex with <laughs> yeah. find seriously like, dude. Find, imagine having to do that you have to track down every woman that a guy's ever had sex with nice. you find four Three or four, I remember many was who didn't even enjoy it, but he didn't do anything wrong, and then put it under a byline that suggests he's a sexual predator. Why, you know? Like, could you imagine? Are, are there other stories that you that could take much of your time other than this? Like, what? The and, heck? and 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 Portnoy's basically debunked it all. Oh he's, yeah, he's published the messages. Be like, look at them; they're begging. Like, I got to be honest, literally, they are. Yeah, there's messages where they're like, I want, you know, you know what I'm saying. And they put and, and they and they've put all these stories behind paywalls. Oh yeah. Yep. Oh. So you buy it to read it and then go, oh, that was stupid. But he's suing him. Good for him, man. Yeah. You know, he said, he said a lot of people have said, like, why do it? And he was like, look, they're, they've, they've released these stories right before their earnings calls for, for Penn Gaming. Like, they're trying. You know what, man? I would not be surprised. Let's just uh, separate ourselves from that conversation and just say they are probably news organizations that will put, you know, options or something, put options on stock or short a stock. Publish a negative story. Oh, wow. And then profit. Brilliant. Yup. So, I'm so, Dude. Evil. it's like federally. In 1908, they would have been just been trashed, just dev- a company would have been ripped to shreds for doing something like that 150 years ago. It's a, it's a I, I, wasn't that, that, that was, isn't there that famous story that, uh, like after the Napoleonic Wars or something, that message, the guy like rode on a horseback to, to England with a message that Napoleon had lost. But then they claimed that Napoleon won, so the stock collapsed. It was in, in England. Yeah, was I in heard England. that story. I'd have to pull up the exact. Yeah, I heard like, that. Like, this has been happening for a long time, bro. Like, they spread the word that Napoleon won, so everyone was selling off everything like crazy. Rich people bought it up for super cheap, and then the actual word got out Napoleon lost, and then everything skyrocketed in value. I got, I'll, find, I'll see if I can find it. I was it reading something about that. I don't know what that – I don't know if that's true or not or just, you know, some – sounds like something that would happen. Maybe. Yeah, it'd be super rad to have uh, Dave Portnoy on. I don't know if he's too busy – 
But, uh, you know, as this show gets bigger, we're getting more and more uh, interest from, from more and more famous people. Yeah, so that's I'm cool. Excited. That's why I'm here. I, I mean, know. yeah, it was really hard to book Seamus. <laughs> like a magnet. Freedom tunes over here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Joe says, Joe Rogan, Rumble, my Dwack stonks is going to moon. But I don't think Rumble is Dwack. It's uh, that other thing. What is it? CVI or something? Yeah. CLVI or something like that? Dwack is uh, Trump's one, right? Yeah. Gat Perry says, just finished Rogan's episode with Jordan Peterson. It's crazy how JBP almost foreshadows what was about to happen to Joe. Hoping Joe ends up following the advice Peterson gave him. Certainly. Certainly, certainly. Zero Safar says, Ian, these people chose to live in the capital where protests will happen. Would you feel bad for people that chose to make a home next to an active volcano, then complain that there are lava, mm. that, 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 that there is lava that makes their life That's hard? That's a very good point. I was watching video of, of a simulation of what it would have been like in, uh, what's that volcano? Pompeii? In, yeah, in Pompeii, oh, the, yeah. the day of the eruption, and you can just watch it. And it's on YouTube, actually. There's like a, a long 20 minute simulation of like a day in Pompeii when it goes. Did they all instantly die from the pyrocastic flow? Not all of them. Uh, it started the heat, the, 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 the singeing smoke came down and started to coat and burn everyone, but one guy, like, I think it was Pliny the Elder had left the city, but he came back by boat to rescue his family. And when he got back to the city, he got killed by the volcano. So they, they, they mostly didn't get swept up in lava, wasn't it? It was pyroclastic Covered by flow. ash. Oh. Yeah, it's the, it's the, it's the shockwave of hot gases that spray out and sweep Jeez. and then yeah. hit the you unseen. and then you can't breathe and then yeah. you burn and then die. Oh, man. I think that's what it was. What a city. I yeah. had my parents got to visit. I want to go there someday. Remember when that? So wasn't there like a volcano eruption in New Zealand or something? Yeah, and a bunch of people got like vaporized or some yeah. crazy whatever? I don't know. Oh, yeah. I found some of this info on the Napoleonic uh, defeat. British in Paris after defeat of Napoleon. It's 1815. I'm not going to go into it too long right now, but if you guys want to look it up. History of banking, 1815, Napoleon. I think you'll find it there. Oh, but what and happened? Then, uh, well, I got I to gotta read more. Let me tell you about it tomorrow. All right. I'll bring well, I'll come back with there it. Legendary Aces, have you ever seen Psychopaths? It's an anime in a dystopia where your latent criminality is tracked by your thoughts and actions. If you're deemed a criminal, enforcers will be sent after you. Yikes. It's all, it's a minority report. Good movie too. Yeah. Well, it was a Philip K. Dick short story, wasn't it? I don't remember. The I don't know. They can, they can arrest you for a crime you did not yet commit. The narcoleptic rant says, Tim Katz is my birthday and I released a song y'all might like. The Bear Shelves Biden Blues. Keep it the great work. Right on. <laughs> so I played that Will of the People game. Itch.io, Will of the People. Someone mentioned that they'd made the game. It's actually really clever. It's, it's pretty good. It's, uh, there are three factions and you're trying to propagandize and manipulate people into gaining power. And then when you finally gain power, the wheel rotates and then your faction takes over. And then you can do marches and like, you know, propagandize and stuff. So you're like trying to figure out how to get the highest score. All right, I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna tell you about this Napoleon thing, get it out of the way. For as long, this is, uh, it's called the Napoleon is Dead, the Great Stock Exchange Fraud of 1814. And then this is from thehistorypress.co.uk. For as long as they've existed, existed, stock markets have attracted fraudsters. Early stock exchange scam involving one of the great seamen of the age, Lord Cochrane, is a powerful and fascinating tale of greed, deceit, and public humiliation. In February 1814, news arrived in Dover that the French had been defeated and Napoleon killed. By the time the London Stock Exchange opened, the city was full of rumors of a great allied victory. The price of government bonds rose so rapidly, and a syndicate of speculators took the opportunity to offload it, its recent acquired holdings at highly favorable prices. 
But this was this was before he was defeated, or this is they, yeah, they said they spread a rumor that he'd been defeated and killed, oh, okay. and all the value started to go up, and then they sold off. Yep, and, and then, then he'd they, actually won, they, and they found out he's alive, and all the prices dropped back down, but they were already they sold out. Up. So oh. it, was, it was the opposite of what I was saying. God. And then he eventually decided to uh, invade Russia in the winter, and you know really? we know how that works out for people. Yeah, don't do that. I like this meme. People are like, there's a war about to break out with Ukraine and Russia and the U.S. is sending soldiers. And someone tweeted, is Russia good at winter war? It's like, ha, 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 ha. There was a – I saw a really great tweet from a – his name's Oren McIntyre. I don't think – I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. But he tweeted, after failing in Afghanistan, the graveyard of empires, the ruling class has turned their attention to fighting a war in Russia in the winter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a great plan. Yeah. No Brilliant. Rilo says Rogan most definitely took a side against cancel culture. He laid it all out when he had Alex Jones on his show. You're biased because he helped you. I'm I'm confused by what that means, though. Like you're saying he's, he opposes cancel culture. I've, I've seen clips of Jones. I've seen enough of his show to, to think that he understands apologizing doesn't work. And I think he's even talked about it before. So I don't know. I don't think how my bias because Joe helped me would make me critical of him. Like the bias would make me be like Joe can do no wrong, but I wouldn't say that of anybody. We all have the demon within us. Mick Chilla says if Joe thinks he's protecting his show by censoring himself, he's delusional. His fan base will drop quicker than FB stock if he continues to bend the knee to the establishment. I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna say this. You know, I think back to when uh, I was just in my living room in the Philadelphia suburbs. I had uh, two YouTube channels. It was before I went on Joe's show. I had 180,000 subs. I was making good money. I had a, I had a, I had a, a, I was making a good amount of money on my own, just doing like, you know, three videos or four videos per day. Where I was like reading the news in the morning. I would be done by about 3 p.m. I'd have the rest of the day to do my thing. And, you know, we'd go out to get pizza and we'd hang out, skate in the back and then play Magic the Gathering. And then I was like, let's do more work. Let's do a lot more work. And now all of a sudden I have, we have this show, which is way bigger than I ever thought it was going to be. This show is way bigger than my main channel, which went from, you know, it's 10 times bigger than it, than it, than it, you know, than it was before. So now this show has grown so large. We're getting swatted. We're getting DDoSed. We have all of this crazy business expansion. We have employees. And I'm just like, I wonder if Joe is just sitting there thinking like, dude, I just want to smoke weed with my friends and talk about aliens. Like this is, he does that anyway. Yeah. But I'm just, it's just like at a certain point, he might just be saying, what is going on? Like, why I never wanted to do this? You should crazy. have him on, the sh- on your show and interview him. He just hasn't done a lot of interviews lately. It'd be a good interview. He's too busy, man. Come on. Maybe, not. Maybe now's the he, time. He, he popped in when we were in Austin, but yeah. you know, he's a busy guy. So, you know, man, part of me thinks there's, there's a lot of, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a lot of philosophy. A lot of people say more money, more problems. A lot of people, uh, you know, say like money won't make you happy and stuff like that. There's a fine balance between being a psychotic workahol, workaholic, you know, like me, and then kind of just accepting when you have a good salary and just having time to, you know, play with like play games, card games with your friends and work on side projects and just chill. And then I've just been like, literally, I feel like if I, if I, if I, I feel I, I can't, it's painful for me to stop for, it's painful for me to stop moving. You'd be a good dad. It is painful for me to stop working. Good, because kids need your constant attention. Yeah, I guess, man. But I, 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 I look sub, sub, sub constant. Like Joe Rogan, he could stop at any time. 
And like, why isn't he? There's a reason why he's so rich and successful is because he can't. He can't stop. He's got to keep going. He's got to keep making it happen. I wonder if at a certain point, everybody reaches that retirement age where they're just like, I'm done. You know, I've fought the, the, the battle and now it's time to just chill and go fishing and raise my kids and play some music. Yeah, like the Stones are still touring. That's pretty badass. I don't know. Yeah, man. I guess what do you call retiring? Well, Doing Mick, what you love? Well, Mick Jagger also, like, a couple of years ago, had a baby with a 29-year-old at the age of, like, 70, however old he is now. Well, Pretty impressive. Yeah, Clint Eastwood did that, too, I think. Yeah. Maybe not 29-year-old. I'm not sure. His young kids. Oh, this is, this is interesting. Derek Curtis says, J.P. Sears and Zion just offered Joe Rogan $100 million in Bitcoin to join them. Do they have $100 million in Bitcoin? Sweet. Depends on where the market's at, I guess. They're just, Yo, like, hoping it goes back up. Here's the know. crazy thing. If you told me J.P. Sears was worth $70 million because he had Bitcoin, I'd be like, wow. I know a lot of people who bought a bunch of Bitcoin no, when know. it was worth nothing. Yeah. I know. And it's like 10 years later, they're billionaires. Yeah, the it's money crazy. is out of control. If you really understood how billionaire people got, it's billionaire. before my it was story, even taxed. <laughs> my story is that I wanted to buy 7,500 Bitcoin in 2011. And my friend told me not to do it because it was like worthless. You couldn't do anything with it. And I was like, yeah, sure, fine. You know, you're probably right. And then when it hit five bucks, I was like, no, because like it went from 70 cents late. to five bucks. Yeah, no, I can't I get know. in anymore. I, I lost 7,000. It was like 7,333 Bitcoin or something like that. Imagine if I had that much Bitcoin. I actually thought when Ethereum was 10 bucks that I'd missed the boat and it was too expensive to get $10. I didn't realize Dude. at the time the incremental purchase power. It's just more about the percentage of the increase and how much right. of a percentage of your wealth you put into it. When, yeah. when Ethereum was at a hundred bucks, I was like, damn, missed that one. But then I, I had this revelation. I was just sitting there and I was like, every single time I say to myself that Bitcoin's too expensive, I realize as an idiot and it's going to keep getting more and more valuable. So then when Bitcoin was at like a thousand, I bought a bunch. But a bunch is like, like literally like a bunch, like a, a small bundle that you can hold in your hands, like not that much. Mm-hmm. And so I got a good amount of crypto for sure, you know, but uh, I wish I bought in 2011. No, dude, I know. And I was like very, this is back in my libertarian era and so many of my fans were all into Bitcoin. Like I am absolutely one of the people who should have known. But I was like, nah, it's going to crash. Like I just didn't know anything about it. But dude, the craziest thing is the people I know who became ultra wealthy off it are some of the dumbest people I've ever met. Because the issue was when I was having conversations with my friends about Bitcoin, we were talking about the potential pitfalls. There's a, there's a, like hard forking was a problem. Hard forking, uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, not, not hard forking. But forking in general, <clears throat> when there have been a few instances where Bitcoin accidentally by error split into two different Bitcoins. And then there's had to like, there was like an emergency, like, okay, well, that's the real one. And they did like switch back to the proper fork. And so we were like, that's possible. When, when, like, when the, when the network is too small, it can branch off into create two different networks that don't agree with each other and ignore each other and clash. And so we were like, there's some issues there. There's issues with cracking cryptography and things like that. And then I know people who are like, the government is awful. This is not government money. I'm buying it. And I'm like, you got to think about this. I'm like, no. And they bought a ton and now they're all rich. Yeah. I think sometimes when I'm investing, I think too far ahead. And I got to remember, I'm playing with the lowest common denominator. I have to buy the stuff that most people are going to bite at, even though the stuff that's better might not get popular until later. So you got to kind of almost dumb yourself down to make money in the investment market in a way. It's more about reading people. All right. Ryan says, if you got a problem with Canada gooses, then you got a problem with me. Letter Kenny. I don't know who that is. What Letter is that? Kenny's a TV show. It's a really, really funny TV show. Well, all right. Yeah. 
A true free thinker says those that carry empty gas cans in Ottawa are like those that were on on Thomas Crown Affair wearing the bowler hats and carrying briefcases. You are all fantastic. You ever see that Thomas Crown Affair? I think so. It's where he's like stealing the painting. And then like there's a ton of people who all look exactly like him <laughs> running around and the cops don't know which one is which oh, yeah. and who to get. Yeah, that's uh, what's his name's in that bond. All right. David says, don't forget Joe has a wife and kids. He has to think about them, too. It's not just him. For sure. But, you know, how much money is enough money? Yeah. yeah. But it's, it, it just shows not about money. It's, it's yeah, never. Exactly. It's not. It's about you just can't stop. You know, you got to keep I don't, I don't think they're going to starve. I don't. Yeah, I don't. Think you gotta, it's about capital, which is people's uh, willingness to work with you and the amount of money you can acquire. But usually the money's used to get capital. They call money capital, but it really doesn't have any value until you transact it. All right. Grawmans says, Hi, I went to the honking in Ottawa on Saturday wearing my Stepan Snack shirt and found Viva Livestreaming sent an email to Pitches. Oh, it was the uh, Stepan Snack and Find Out shirt. We saw that video. Yeah. We yeah. saw it? Yeah, we saw it. Oh, sweet. Yeah. Stepan Snack. So, so I will I will say this. Stepan Snack and Find Out was our fastest selling t-shirt. So it was ridiculous. And then we made the free honk honk flag t-shirt and that is now our fastest selling t-shirt it's crazy we've sold many 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 of those so my friends if you haven't already smash that like button one like is one honk subscribe to this channel share the show with your friends and go to timcast.com become a member we are going to start recording our members only podcast for all of you it'll be up around 11 or so p.m tonight you don't want to miss it you can follow us at timcast irl on instagram for clips you can follow me at timcast on instagram twitter wherever uh you want to shout anything out greg um no, just I'm um, Greg underscore Price Eleven. Um, let's go win in twenty twenty. Let's go win in November. Right on. Awesome. Well, first I have to correct uh, a bit of non medical misinformation for myself earlier in the show. Right after I said it, I realized it, but the conversation moved on. I, I mentioned Nazi Germany ending in the late forties. It was the mid forties. Yeah, I, and none of you corrected me. It was me. late forty five. None of you. But yeah, but that's not like a late forties. I know. I thought it's like, what was it? No, it was early forty five. It was early forty five. June forty. It was May. That's technically in the early forties. I know. You blew that one. Mid, mid, mid. We'll go with mid. I wasn't that wrong. I'm with you, Dan, man. Um, but. Yeah, I just want to plug Freedom Tunes. It's the cartoon channel that I run. We release a video every single week on Thursdays. We're also going to be releasing a video tomorrow about the Joe Rogan controversy. Just a short little tune that Tim did a voice for. It was wonderful, and I think you'll all enjoy it very much. And then we have a video coming out on Thursday as well, too, this week. Crazy. I know that you know you guys have your your, your position for me over at Freedom Tunes, but I'm telling Mm -hmm. you, man, I can do more. Just give me the opportunity for more characters, man. Just, just coming on a little strong. You're coming on a little strong. (laughs) You've been typecast. You do a great job with Fauci. All right, I'm leaving it there. Hey, Lydia, is it true that you created the Honkaboot and Find Oot? That's correct. That was my idea. That is amazing. I know. You're very creative. Honkaboot. No, but you t- you've done other voices besides Fauci. Yeah, he like SJW and uh, the police officer. But it's almost more fun to just let people figure out because a lot of times, not everyone watches the credits. I don't, and I don't, so it, but it'll tell. say it in there. And so people are like, oh, I can't believe Tim did that voice. I don't think I'm good police officer wise. Uh, are you kidding me? Yeah, I think you, well need, then I'll give the job to someone else. You yeah. need like an older gruff guy. That's you. you. You're, you're, sure. you're, you're so gruff and older. <laughs> so right. No, you do a good job. You do a good job voicing the police officer. I thought so. But if you want to talk yourself out of the job, you're just telling me that you do more of the Fauci. And as soon as I put on another role, you do, you're like, nah, I'm not good at it. <laughs> what? I never said but that. But that means you're hired for more because you're honest about your limitations. <laughs> 
go. R.I.P. to the, the Fauci bobblehead, by the way. Oh, I don't know if you guys saw the vlog, but uh, Luke Luke had his way Luke, with it. Bro, and then Luke fixed is an it. animal. Luke it. is an animal. Yeah, he's a wild thing. He's a crazy, he's a wild one. No, we were, we, he and I were on the vlog, and he's sitting there blaming China as he holds Tim's shattered Fauci bobblehead, <laughs> wrapping gaff I'm actually mad about that. Yeah, it was I sad. thought it wasn't cool. He's like, I it's just, just cheap buy two Chinese more. stuff. Yeah. Where one goes, two you come. Know, so Ian gave me a Fauci bobblehead. Luke broke it, trying to put the gorilla on him. Mm. <laughs> and I was like, yo, glue his legs back together. I was like, this is our Fauci. We like, we bobble his head. We love and him. so instead, Luke just broke it more. Yeah. And then he leaves. Luke, and he, he was like, himself. it's like wrapped it's like in the truth gaff tape. Yeah, yeah, it's bad. Uh, you I better just, replace it. I just popped up Twitter. Tim Dillon definitely canceled the Olympics forever. It was cool. Now it's dumb enough. Yes, correct. From the words of God to you through Tim Dillon. Mm-hmm. Just want to let everyone know. Tim's one of my favorite guys. I love that guy. Uh, hey, follow me at iancrossland.net. <laughs> Transition this off and about to Lydia. I love you all. Yeah, and I'll thank see you, you later. Thank you. I also wanted to correct my own little bit of misinformation earlier when we were talking about bones in the leg. The tibia is a larger bone on the inside of the leg. The fibula is a smaller bone on the outside. A fibia is a com- combination of those two words. That is so I was a right. real bone. Shameful. Huh? It was tibia? Tibia is the, the bone on the outside of the leg. I was, I was right. Yeah, you were right. Yeah, so when we came up oh. with a fibia, you see, that's this, not a this real is the, thing. This is the problem with, with accepting that you're wrong and being unsure of yourself. Because if I was just confident and arrogant, like, nope, I'm right. Don't care. <laughs> oh, don't, gosh. no, don't. That's, I'm confident. I never should have that said anything, to me. Tim. Yeah. What was I thinking? Yeah. But yeah, I just want to correct that because I saw somebody mention that. And I was like, that doesn't sound quite right. I just couldn't remember it from anatomy. Anyway, you guys should follow me on Twitter and mine's <laughs> at Sour Patchlets. We will see all of you, every single one of you. Now, all 35,000 are still watching. Go to TimCast.com. Become members. We're going to have that members-only segment for you tonight, and we'll see you all there. Bye, guys.